in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 4th of March. You're listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold, Brandon Goldner. How are you, sir? Makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. <laughs> Because the Blazers have won six in a row. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do that. It's at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Emails, those definitely work. Trailcasters at gmail.com. And we also have a website, simply trailcasters.com. But the most important thing, as you and I both know, is to give us those five-star reviews, whether it's on the Apple app, the podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher. I do not care. But I do care that you give us a five-star review because get to the show in front of more people. And more people means more fun. Keith, how is everything going and what is on the record for today's show? On today's show, we're going to be talking about what happened to the Blazers' long ball. We're going to be talking about the hot hands, whether it's Dame, Moe, Nurk, Ed, Ed Davis, Zach Collins, and, of course, Moe's injury. We'll be going over Blazers, how they warmed up in February, and can they keep the heat going through March. Then, in overtime, you and I will be discussing a little more on the Mavs situation down in Dallas and how all of us fans who boo the refs and complain about bias officiating, well, you know what? We have evidence now, thanks to 538.com. We'll get into that more later. And, as always, we will go over last week's games get into next week's games and your listener questions but now it's time to turn it over to our trailcaster meteorologist brandon how are you sir how's the weather in downtown p-town well it's going pretty good here it's like halfway sunny halfway cloudy there's a little bit of wind my wife and i are gonna be going on a hike a little bit later which is why we're recording a little earlier than usual usual so thank you for your flexibility on that but yeah no it's beautiful i mean you're (laughs) you're talking about march (laughs) so in march you're not going to be looking for like full sun or warmth or anything like that you just want these days where it's a little little bit clear it's pretty dry you can go outside and also remember that daylight savings time is coming up i believe that it is a week from today so by next sunday you'll be listening to us an hour later or earlier depending on how you look at it that is what i'm most looking forward to (laughs) so yeah no it's going pretty well here how's everything for you it's going well, man. It's going well. I've got some uh, family that just came into town last week. This weekend, I have two different friends coming in from out of town, so lots of people visiting. And yeah, the spring is in the air, even if it's not quite here, but I'm getting ready. I've got, I've still got my winter beard coat on, and the hair is nice and long and yeah, shiny. Yeah, you do. I gotta be honest, I'm getting ready. The beard is gonna be sticking around. I think we're gonna keep it going long over summer, get the real Northwest lumberjack hipster thing going, oh. but I'm ready to I'm ready to cut the hair short, get some uh, ventilation up top a little you bit. cut the hair short? It's like two inches long. It's not even that long at all. What are you talking about? It's uh, like in my eyes. I guess this? so. I mean, we're talking about your hair compared to my hair, which I can tie into a ponytail. Although you were the one that had dreads at one, one point, so I think you had me beat on, on the hair. <laughs> a couple different points. Oh, yeah, it's true. Uh, so dreadlock Keith is no more, but haircut Keith will be joining us soon. And speaking of someone who unfortunately uh, will not be joining us on the road is Blazers, longtime Blazers, what do you call it, radio host, announcer Brian Wheeler. Uh, because of some persisting health problems, he will only be joining the Blazers during home games for the rest of the season. I uh, just want to be the first to say, uh, get well soon, Wheels. He's obviously, we've talked about him before on the show a little bit. He is like the voice of the Blazers. Um, you know, Kevin Clabber and Lamar Hurd are still pretty new. Antonio Harvey's no longer on the radio. So you're talking about that connection between today and like past eras. That's really Brian yep. Wheeler at this point. So yeah, uh, get better as quick as you can wheels 
Yeah, uh, we did talk about these same health issues, actually, uh, on a previous episode of the show a while back. It seemed like he was getting better. It seemed like things had kind of subsided. But uh, it certainly isn't good to hear that he's having to deal with this. But at least he's stepping up, I think, trying to be proactive and not let it get any worse for him. So, yeah, get well soon, Wheels. Uh, we will maybe, you know, eventually when he's feeling better, we could get him on the show. Wouldn't that be an amazing guest? Yeah, that would be dope. I mean, I'm not sure if he has time to join a small-time podcast like ours. But, <laughs> I mean, it never hurts well, to ask the question. You never know. You know who we will not be able to get on the show probably because, uh, not because they're, well, I guess they are kind of too big for us as well, but mostly because they don't have the same vocal cords needed for podcasting. Eddie the Otter down at the zoo. I don't know if you've heard about this. Eddie just turned 20. He is officially one of the oldest otters as of March 2nd. The Oregon Zoo announces on Twitter just the other day and, uh... For, you know, first and foremost, for anyone that is not really familiar with who we're talking about, he's the basketball dunking How can you not be fan. familiar with Eddie the Otter? If you don't know who that I is, know, just turn off the podcast be. right now. <laughs> well, well, and let's not get hasty there. We love all of our <laughs> listeners, even the new ones uh, who are not quite as familiar with Portland, but that's what we are here for, to fill you in on the gaps. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a 20-year-old otter at the Oregon Zoo. He was found at four weeks old as an orphan in California, taken to Monterey Bay, uh, and he moved up to the Oregon Zoo in 2000, so he's been a longtime Blazer fan. And for his birthday this year, he got a lobster dinner, and Blaze stopped by with a new Blazer backboard for him to be dunking on. So it's a pretty cool video on Twitter. Go check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, if you haven't seen these videos, the Oregon Zoo post them occasionally he's like he's dunking i mean i don't know why the blazers can't at least sign him at a 10 day that's my thought on it but <laughs> it actually serves as therapy for his elbow where he has a little bit of arthritis and so you'll see these videos uh, one of my favorite ones was during the snow i think it was last year it was all snowy and he was like throwing down jams in the snow <laughs> breaking that backboard uh but yeah no eddie the otter and just to say like the oregon zoo in general has some really awesome content you should follow them whatever social media channels you can find them because they have all these dope animals doing all these dope things. It just, I don't know. Like I, I just feel like a little kid thinking about it because it's so cool just to uh, just see them hanging out and having a good time. And Oregon <laughs> zoo does a great job. So seriously, check them out. If you have a second. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, send in your birthday well wishes for Eddie or as well your well wishes, get well soon uh, wishes for wheels. Uh, and we will pass those along for sure. Up next, we have a word from our sponsor envy adventures. And this part is where I come in. Are you ready for takeoff? Are you ready to get up high above Portland? See I'm ready to get so high from Keith. the clouds. <laughs> see the city from the clouds. See the mountain. See the desert. See the trails around the gorge. I would love to get up there. I'm planning on getting up there. I want to bring my camera up, get some scenic shots that I think would give a little bit of a different perspective. Brandon, I feel like I'm going to be a... Uh, I'm going to be flying by your place. I'm going to do this downtown flight. I'm going to see what I can see of, of your place. Just see if I can draw up a nice uh, Trailcaster symbol. Have that be like our next logo. Like I'll be sure to draw the shade so you can't it. see in me lounging my pajamas. Envyadventures.com. <laughs> uh, breathtaking views up there. Starting at only $99 per flight. That is not per person. That is per flight for you and friends. Check out their website, envyadventures.com. They have several different options uh, from here to the gorge, up to the mountains, uh, the quicksand triangle, Portlandia, the figure eight. God, even some of these names sound wonderful. Most of these flights look like, look like they're a little over an hour or so. Uh, getting up into even 46,000 feet. So you can be flying high or down low at 1,000 just over the treetops what, what do you what do you think brandon you see any of these that uh which one of these are we taking together which one are we going to record a trailcasters episode from i mean you've been talking about that or the waterfalls you've been talking about that quicksand triangle and again every time i get yeah. a little nervous you're going to push me out of the plane i'm going to get trapped in quicksand <laughs> i'm thinking that's probably not what it means but yeah i know this is super dope again it's only a hundred bucks uh and if you want to get into a private plane check out portland in the gorge and mount hood from a perspective you've never seen before then definitely check out edvi adventures that's e-n-v-i adventures.com 
is the digital, he is the, what, head of Sage Digital and the longest running, the most, uh, the highest running guest on the show, Cash is here. <laughs> you can tell him spitball on this little. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show for a, what, third or fourth time here? Dylan Sage, how are you, buddy? I think, I think it's the third, man. Um, <laughs> it could I, be the I, sixth. I, I, dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy to be. I think the first time I was on, I was recording a, a second podcast while we were doing this. Yep. And the, yeah. the second time I was talking mad shit. So I, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah. Oh, and it, it's Sage Digital. Um, Sage Digital. Excuse me. Not I, not Digital Sage. Yeah, man. So I worked in radio for seven years, and I was tired of making content for them. So I tried to make it myself. So uh, check us out. We have. A, uh, the Holy Backboard, and that's about it right now. I'm How did you not it. mention the Holy Backboard, Keith? God, what a jerk. Jesus, <laughs> right? well, uh, well, uh, he is awesome. I can self-promote very well, so he, he doesn't need it. I, 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 know, I know what I need to be talking about. Holy Backboard, <laughs> Sage Digital, and I'm developing a, uh, another show that should be out in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout and follow me on Twitter. It's uh, and let, at, let's not forget. at DeSage. He's also friends with Evan M here. I mean, we can't leave any of these connections out now, right? If we're trying oh, to build bro. the resume, got to get Evan M is also he he gives two thumbs up for Sage Digital. Oh, Wait, and, up, and you can check me out streaming every Tuesday on uh, Mixer.com slash Stupendous for 2K Tuesdays, and you can hear me talk shit. Nice. Wait, give your Twitter handle one more time because Keith talked over you. Uh, it's at DeSage, D-A-S-A-G-E. Good. I, I, so I'm looking out for you. Even talking. if Keith doesn't give a shit about you, you know I'm going to look <laughs> yeah, out. I, no, I, I get it, Brandon. We've been boys for so much longer than Keith and I, man. Oh, I my it. God. Uh, so let's start. Oh, you uh, know what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll let, we'll let Keith talk at some point. I'm going to go way out of order. I just want to start because I'm on a time crunch. I'm a very busy human being. No, I'm not. I'm just having a time crunch today. I want to talk a little bit about the Blazers. They have won six straight games. The West is absolutely packed from three to yes. ten. People were saying, everyone was saying how difficult the Blazers' end of their season schedule was going to be, and it still will be. But Sage, I wanted to start here with the six-game winning streak. The Blazers are in third by a half game. The West is a mess. Is this six-game winning streak making you feel any better about the Blazers' chances of getting home court advantage in the playoffs this year? Yes or no? I think I think definitely them winning games that they should. Like I I had faith that they were going to beat the the Thunder and then the Timberwolves without Jimmy Butler. I even I I honestly forgot most of the games we won. I just know we won them. <laughs> so that I mean that's dope. But like it seems like every team is getting hit with that injury bug and we're I mean besides Mo Harkless being hurt we're staying consistently healthy and that is really helping our chances for the playoffs whoever's the most healthy and who has the best players is gonna get those last you know six spots out of the eight or nine teams that are in the running for it well let me just shit on what you just said because first of all the Warriors <laughs> were fully healthy oh the, god I forgot <laughs> the Jazz were healthy the Phoenix Suns yeah. were almost healthy okay so leave that one aside and I'll, one more thing too is I'll say okay see how do you two feel about this I think they're better when Carmelo does not yeah, play okay they, they definitely are better I mean Patrick Patterson's like a legitimate three-point threat like Melo's Melo he's not gonna space the floor like Patrick could but I mean, once Russell Russell always seems to get in his feelings when he's in the Moda Center or the Rose Oh yeah, center. yep. Like oh, yeah. he always he tries to play Dame's game, so that's why 
I, I had all the faith in the world that our guys were gonna pull it out. Dude's gonna dude's gonna mentally uh, combust. I don't, for whatever reason, he just gets in his feelings I, and the rip city. I, I think just, he's got something. I think he's got something personal against Dame. Like, oh, like the call out about the All-Star game. I, th- I think there's some jealousy or some sort of envy about what Dame has going here and how maybe Russ feels like he wants, maybe th- that's the role that he thinks that he should have and he's gotten kind of too angry about it down in the in the desert or in OKC. Maybe he's just pissed off because he's in Oklahoma City, which is like the shittiest, shitty, <laughs> shittiest city of any NBA city. And like apologies to people if you live in Oklahoma City, but like we've heard a lot from folks who do reporting down there. There's nothing to do. It's flat. It's ugly. It's gross. <laughs> It's in Oklahoma. I mean, you got like 10 strikes against it right there, I just have to say. So apologies to people from Oklahoma City. <laughs> Shout out to my grandpa listening to the pod down from Oklahoma. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know my language anymore, but I think you're the first person to curse in this episode, which is Whoa! much better. Much better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know I was setting the, the podcast ablaze last time. So we are... This is a much more mellow sage. We are we are totally fine with cussing. It's just as long as it's not like overly gratuitous, but we can say like talking shit and stuff like that. Um Keith, uh what do you think? Oh, we got the hip hop horns. We got the hip hop hey, horns. I, I had to bring that out. He's, he's he's announcing that you're the first one to swear. I feel like this is the right episode to bring the reggae horn back. <laughs> what were you asking me about? I was just gonna say six game winning streak. The West is a mess. Keith, does this six game streak make you feel any better about the Blazers uh Blazers playoff odds, or do you think it's too soon to tell? No, I'm feeling great about the Blazers' playoff odds. I'm feeling like I I called it early in the season, even that we were going to have a possibility of getting home court advantage. I'm feeling solid about that prediction, honestly. I think third or fourth is totally within reach. Uh, just want to look at this real fast. You mentioned the six game uh, win streak. We've won 13 of the last 14 home games. We're 20 and 11 at home on the season. That's after starting out the season where we were actually better on the road than mm-hmm. we were at home. Now overall on the road, we're 17 and 15. So still a winning road record. And you look at. Houston, Golden State, and us on top of the West, all with winning road records. The next winning road record is down in seventh. So the, the four, five, and six, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Minnesota, all fighting behind us for this, trying to move up to our spot. They're losing on the road. Uh, just one more good sign for us that we have a winning road record and we're doing so well at home. Uh, let me see what else I had on here. We have 19 games left after Oklahoma last night. 13 of them are against opponents with a better than 500 record. 10 of them are home games, nine on the road. I feel like that's a pretty good break. I don't think that I don't see us sliding backwards too much. I know the, the strength of schedule has us listed as one of the more difficult runs towards the end, but I'm feeling pretty good with how we're doing so far. If you were going to play a handicapper, what are the two teams that don't make the playoffs? I think uh, for me, I'm going to step on your answer, Keith. For me, go ahead, go ahead. Um, the Clippers, I don't understand how they've stayed afloat as much as they've had. Uh, so they play real hard, man. They do. That's yeah. true. And I mean, a well-coached team, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Doc Rivers, but at least he knows what his strengths are and he plays to those strengths. So that's one. Like, I think the Jazz will make it. Um the other one who I don't think will make it, it is so tough. I mean, I hate to even say the Pelicans because Anthony Davis has been playing completely out of his mind now. Sage, obviously you're sitting here rolling your eyes. You're throwing me like middle <laughs> fingers because you're a huge Pelicans fan. <laughs> Tell me I, why I am wrong about the Pelicans not making the playoffs. Why am I wrong about that? Anthony Davis is a superstar and uh, Drew Holiday is playing really well and they've improved their defense from like bottom 10 in the league to middle of the pack in the last few uh, weeks. So, I mean, I wouldn't say the Pelicans are it. I I agree that, uh, you know what? I don't think the Jazz have enough uh, shooting off. Like, they don't have enough playmaking. Everyone on that team needs, like, the ball to be fed to them to score. 
So I would go the Jazz and maybe the Nuggets? That's I, who I, I was going to yeah, go for. That's exactly what I was going to say. Please continue. <laughs> I mean, I just they're I, so bad on the road. You, they're sliding I mean, horribly. They're, they're, yeah, they're like, so bad on the road, and there's a lot of team. There's a lot of games on the road to finish out their schedule. But I mean, but, I, I trust Mike Malone. I trust the the team. But man, they don't have a real point guard, and they're bad at they're bad on the road. But they've had like no time to acclimate with Paul Millsap. I think that if you give them a, a couple more games, they're gonna get disproportionately better. Like I'm afraid that they were able to tread water for so long without arguably their best player, maybe their second best player behind Jokic. Um, I don't know. I'm just a little afraid of them gelling at the right time, but I don't know. Keith, are you at all worried about Denver getting a lot better just by familiarity with Paul Millsap? Does that not concern you? I don't know, man. I, I, the two teams, in my opinion, that slide out are the Clippers and Denver. I, I think Utah keeps climbing up. I think New Orleans is looking good. New Orleans is that one other team that has a winning road record behind us, like I mentioned. Let me ask you guys, though. What if the Spurs kept falling? Like, if, if the stuff with Kawhi doesn't quite work and, and let's say, LaMarcus it just isn't panning out, or, or even if, just say, these other teams are coming on and they are all fighting so hard for the, one of these spots and it's not going to take that much for the Spurs to slip, what if those guys slipped down? How crazy would it be if San Antonio, like, missed the play? entirely this year i think I, I think it could totally happen but man right you're betting against the one transcendent coach in the <laughs> nba and i'm not I, I don't feel comfortable betting against pop like can you imagine making how a roster blow? of like no names and injured people in the marcus aldridge you know a playoff team i can't bet against the dude because of how good of a coach he is all right, let me uh, let me bring this back around to Blazers a little bit. Uh, I'm sure our li- listeners are loving hearing about all the rest of our competition, but one of the th- strongest weapons for the Blazers right now has been the small ball lineup. We've seen Dame, CJ, Baz, and then either Chief and Ed, or now even Collins and Ed last night against Oklahoma City, just really rocking opponents. Uh, I, I apologize if I'm screwing up this name here, but Sagar Trika, I don't know if that's exactly oh, how you yeah. say it. What up, Sagar? At Blazers by Sagar points out that that lineup, that small ball lineup of Dame, Baz, CJ, and the the two bigs, 205 minutes so far this season. Uh, I think this was before the OKC game. 205 minutes with a net rating of plus 20. That is huge. That's a fantastic lineup, just outscoring opponents and doing a lot of damage. Basically, I think it comes down to can we f- not, you know, fall off when that t- uh, lineup is off the floor? Can Nurkic and the other lineups really hold it together? But Brandon, what do you think? I just wanted to say something about uh, Shabazz has not looked quite right to me. I don't know. Or like, maybe he's back the last few two games, I think. He was yeah, he's doing his better thing, last night. But he, but, he's, he's had a little slump. It wasn't the, didn't uh, Dame say the reason he got that tip dunk was he was expecting Bazzy to miss that shot? <laughs> Yeah, and that's, uh, (laughs) I mean, I love his candidness, but then it's maybe not the best thing to say. I mean, yes, I know that Shabazz has done better statistically, but just looking at him play, it looks like he's, he's, he's behind a quarter step of what he looked like earlier this year. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised it's the time of year where every player is dealing with some nagging injury. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some unreported injury like a calf strain or, like, an ankle something that Shabazz is dealing with because there were a couple times last night where I saw him and he just, he was trying to get, like, that when you blow past someone, get them on your back, and, he like, he couldn't quite right. do it. Um, so that's my only concern is if he's not 100% healthy. But, yeah, that those lineups with Shabazz in them are just totally nuts. Sage, let me ask you this. In the playoffs, is that small ball lineup something that the Blazers could go to and rely on? I mean, given 
playoff basketball, you have shorter rotations, the officials, and, matchups. and the matchups are different. The officials call things differently. Do you think that that small ball lineup is something that could be successful in the playoffs this year? It, it all depends on which team you're playing. Like if you're t- playing right. like uh, a Minnesota, if Jimmy Butler's healthy, I don't think you can afford to go that small ball. But if you're playing, let's say, New Orleans, is each one more really going to post up Shabazz or whatever the matchup is? Like it, it all depends on the matchups, man. Um. Yeah, the health and matchups, man. What okay, would so, be that matchup that you think is the best for the Blazers? It's a good okay, question. Let me, let me preface this one. Let me preface okay, this as we go bad. in here. Oh yeah, we're no, no, no. You're good. It's, it's it's perfect. No. Uh. So as far as matchups with the Blazers, of the ten teams fighting right now for that third to tenth spot, uh, three through seven are pretty much separated by half a game. Right. We're looking mm-hmm. at. New Orleans, Denver, and LAC have each gone seven and three the last ten games. Oklahoma City is six and four. Minnesota and San Antonio are sliding, but Utah and Portland are eight and two. So really, kind of coming up the standings. Honestly, it could be any of those as far yeah. as where we're matching up. If, if we're third, we're looking at Minnesota, maybe New Orleans. If we fall to fourth, maybe it still is like Minnesota, Oklahoma City, San Antonio. One of those guys in the mix. I don't know. Like, where 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 are you leaning? What are you feeling? A lot of options right now. It's not just like a two team option. So like, this kind of opens it up a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if it's me, if I'm looking at who would the Blazers match up best against, I'm going to go with either the Clippers or the Jimmy Butler-less Wolves. One thing about the Timberwolves has been so weird, and it's been true all year, not just now that Jimmy Butler's injured, and you actually think his injury would fix this. Carl Anthony Towns fades late in games a lot. They will get him touches early. He'll dominate early. That game against the Blazers, he was unstoppable. He was completely unstoppable. And the Blazers only went on the run at the end of the third quarter because he hit the bench. And then here comes the fourth quarter and they're not giving him touches anymore. Like, I don't know what the deal is. So for me, it's either the Clippers or if the Timberwolves don't have Jimmy Butler. That's who I'd like to see the Blazers play. Keith, you have thoughts on that? Okay, so Clippers, though, how are you saying we face Clippers? You think they climb up to, like, six or something if we're going to be in, like, third here? or They could. I mean, you're talking about three through ten is separated by, what, four games, and there's, what, like, 15-plus games? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. The Blazers are literally, like, one four-game losing streak away from not Mm -hmm. making the playoffs at all. We were just talking about how the Spurs (laughs) could not make the playoffs at all, and all of these are completely reasonable scenarios. You're, like, like you said, Sage, it's like you're one injury away, you're one shitty game away from not making the playoffs at all. It's so weird. It's really weird the margin of for error for all of these teams is razor thin zero okay yeah. so i i do think minnesota would be a pretty interesting opponent uh, especially without jimmy butler and it does sound to me like he's probably not coming back for the playoffs that, like there's been some talk early from him and i think from one of his other uh agents but not like the heads of the team saying that he could be back in only a few weeks but you look at this injury this is like a brandon roy type mm. injury we're talking about like this is not a short-term thing it's more likely that he could maybe be available for playoffs but it would even still be a smarter decision for minnesota to hold him out I love the match and would with he them. Be 100% for the playoffs after not no, playing no, definitely for not. Multiple yeah. weeks. Yeah, so and he has to be a be, be period for Jimmy Butler in the most important time of the year when Minnesota like hasn't been in the playoffs for a long time. Like and wouldn't they just want to keep it as is if it, like they find success just not even risk it, especially right. since they signed Jimmy Butler to a, a multi-year deal? 
Right. He's a long-term option for them. And Brandon, I know you mentioned that Cat looked so good the other night. He did. But I do feel like the other side of this, normally, what we saw the other night against Minnesota, the one thing that Portland really lacked, and we've seen this in a couple games recently, is kind of a weird occurrence, is the lack of three-point shooting. We could not hit the long ball to save our life, especially for the first half. Cat hit the first uh, the first three-pointer in the game almost near halftime. Like We hadn't done anything. Luckily, Dame comes alive at the end and really pulled that out. And that was, again, very much thanks to the three-point shooting. But in an in a normal Blazer game, we'll have a lot more three-point shooting. Minnesota can't answer that, especially with Jimmy Butler not able to perform, whether he's on the floor at 50% or not on the floor at all. I feel like that's a pretty good matchup. No, it is. And one more thing about Jimmy Butler's injury, too. You talk about meniscus injury. Just for folks who don't know, the meniscus is that kind of that part of your knee that kind of protects the two bones from grinding against each other, acts as like cushioning. There's no such thing as a meniscus strain or a sprain when you damage your meniscus, you have torn it every single time, and you basically have two options to fix that. Well, three options. One, you can like heal on its own, takes forever. Two, you can stitch it up and repair it, and that takes a decent amount of time, too. The third option is to cut out the offensive piece of meniscus and just roll with it. You get back as fast as you possibly can. That's what Brandon Roy did. That's what Amari Stoudemire did, other players, too. Right. That's what Jimmy Butler did, ostensibly to come back as quick as he could. But my thing is, like, I still don't understand, like, if I'm Jimmy Butler, I'm going to be more concerned about my long-term health and my short-term mm-hmm. health. So that's number one. The number two, yes, like, if he comes back, like, is he going to have that lateral movement that makes him such an effective defender? Is he going to have the explosion right away? Like, even just leaving aside, Sage, what you said about reassimilating into the team, which is completely a valid point, I'm just not sure that even if he does come back, that he's going to be 100%. And if that's the case, would it be that he'd be more a detriment to that team if he's like 75% than if he didn't play at all? Like, I think that's an interesting question to think about, personally. Well, I mean, Minnesota is so thin. Like, they have no depth. It's all it's their starting lineup. Right. So uh, I think Jimmy Butler at 60% is going to be better than whoever is on that bench. I think, like, Emile Jefferson or something like that. <laughs> Just play but Jamal it, Crawford 45 minutes a game. It'll be fine. Yeah, because that... that, that <laughs> Jamal only has one of those good games, like once every five games. So it's not it's not the same Jamal, well, but like, or it's like every time he faces Blazers, he's a Blazer killer for sure, man. Like Jamal yeah. Crawford kills it up here. I, I think uh, that Jimmy Butler has just a different mind frame about it. Like this team's going to the playoffs. I have to like it, he right. athletes think differently than podcasters. You know what I'm saying? Like he, <laughs> no he way to contribute to his team now, not not you know in the future. Well, I don't know what I'm doing on here then. I'm thinking like an athlete. No, okay, I'm done. Uh, let me ask you guys this one. <laughs> if the Blazers can at least maintain, let's say we don't slide down to seven or eight. We maintain between the three and six. We've talked about what matchup we'd like, and it sounds like we all kind of think Minnesota would be one of the I better want spots. The Spurs, just because of you want Spurs? Okay. How dynamic our guards can be against an old Tony Parker, an old Manu Ginobili. Like, I know Lamarcus. I just I just talked about how great the coach is, but when you have definitive matchups like our guards versus their guards, and I don't trust LaMarcus Aldridge to be clutch to carry in the playoffs. Especially right. not against like, the Blazers, honestly. You guys not have against, watched this yeah, team much longer pressure. than I have. He doesn't <laughs> deal well with pressure. Like, well, he, the shot. he had one moment in his entire playoff career in Portland, the first two games against Houston, which the Blazers ultimately won on the Damian Lillard .9 shot. LaMarcus Aldridge, those first two games against Dwight Howard, played like you would always wanted him to play. He went for like 35 and 20 or something insane, both of those games. But that's like the only time that I've ever seen LaMarcus Aldridge really step up in the playoffs. He was super disappointing a couple years ago, was a little better last year. 
and he'll be coming off injury too, or at least a little bit. So yeah, like the only thing I'd say about the Spurs though, they're I'm with you. They're too well coached. It's so scary. The fact that you can literally just have like a ham sandwich and a glass of orange juice playing for the Spurs <laughs> and Popovich can coach them into being a playoff team is very concerning to me. Absolutely. So like, yeah, I don't but know. That, he that, has, but those matchups, man, like Dame, Dame's going to tear right. up Byron Forbes or whatever his name is, or Andre <laughs> Murray. <laughs> like, come on. Like, You're not afraid of Patty Mills' dude, defense, I guess? <laughs> dude's going to eat. Dude's going to, like, that's barbecue chicken. That's, that's like, Dame in playoff Dame, that, he's going to body them. At least but, with the logic of like the best player on the uh, the best player on the floor, whoever has the best player is usually the team that's got the advantage. Like I feel like Blazers are looking pretty good in a lot of these. Uh, sorry to cut you off there, Sage. I didn't mean to to chip off that last part, but let me ask you this question: What matchup do you least want to see? Again, if we're not going to slide down to seven or eight, we're not talking about facing the Rockets or the Warriors. Which of these other teams that we're fighting with would you least want to see matched up within the first round? Can I be selfish? Yeah, do it. <laughs> I don't want to see the Pelicans. Nah, I figured that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the most hated broadcaster in the in Rip City, like from jump. I first of all, I don't see anyone on this team that can defend Anthony Davis well, and mm. with how the Blazers don't really like to play big, uh, the way you beat the Pelicans is you abuse Rondo, make them take him out, and then the offense stalls because Rondo is such a playmaker. We don't really have that guy to body him in the post. I guess Evan Turner now, but like Evan Turner's kind of a negative as well. So I don't see hey, the way you can abuse. Yeah, that's one that once every seven games he does. He hits a three. <laughs> good for him. But yeah, I don't see a way that we can stop AD or, or take Rondo out. And Drew Holiday's been playing so fantastic this year. So mm. That's the one I wouldn't want to be want to deal with just because of. God, that, that's going to be a brutal series for me. What do you think, Brandon? Is there someone you fear uh, more than the Pelicans in the first round? The only thing that I don't want to see is the Blazers slipping to seven or eight, which, again, that could totally right. happen. That totally happen. Like, it could totally, like the, the Blazers could actually close out the year oh, playing really God. well and still be even out of the playoffs. So, like, to me, it's like if the Blazers can avoid that either seventh or eighth seed, I think that I wouldn't necessarily say that they're favored in every other matchup. But they have a very, very, very legit chance of getting in the second round, particularly if they get home court advantage. So for me, just no seven, no eight. Other than that, you're going to see something pretty entertaining, I think. And then the narrative of, yeah, we got to the second round. That, that's going to be really awesome for this team. Like, I know we don't get elite free agents, but if there's a decision for like an MLE candidate, choose the Blazers who got to the second round or right. some other team that fails. That mo those free agents are going to rather go to the team that has that positive narrative going forward. That has it going. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, I know you got to get out of here pretty soon, so we are going to let you go. Sage, sounds like you're going to stick around with me for a little bit. Do some yeah, questions gonna, with the listeners. I, I bullied Brandon out of a spot for tonight. <laughs> I have been replaced. <laughs> before we let Brandon get out of here, though, boy, that sounds weird to like be letting you know, like exiting you as the guest instead. Uh, <laughs> we did have a listener poll this week that I want to ask you guys a question, uh, your guys' opinion about before we give the answers. The poll was: What are the chances that the Blazers hold on to the fourth seed or better? Wow. I mean, like percentage wise, you can't give a percentage. First of all, you've no, heard me maybe it's difficult. Doug. Like, 
Okay, so so the options are like 90% or better, or like 70 to 89, 50 to 69, or less than 50. Give me one of those categories. Where How, how good are you feeling? Nope, not going to give you anything. I have a quick rant, <laughs> and I'll give it to Sage. Here's the deal. I am so done with people like, oh, like expected win probability. Oh, the Blazers had a 90% chance of winning in the third oh, quarter. They didn't go. win. You can't do that with a basketball game. You're not rolling dice. You're talking about something with way too many variables to give a win expectancy on. I hate those kinds of things. And the Ooh. West is so packed right now four games separate three and ten you can't tell me that you could put a percentage on like how likely is it they're going to get to a particular seed we don't know i'm not going to answer a bullshit question keith how dare you (laughs) sage what do you think about all this I feel Sage is speechless. Back, back me up, man. Back me up. <laughs> I, I agree with everything you just said, but I, I, th- I think you summed it up better than, uh, than I could. And uh, you look, you look like a, you look like you're about to go to a business uh, <laughs> meeting right now, bro. With the, with the, with a nice shirt. And Wait, no, no, no. I have to explain mic. to everybody. I, um, I spent a little bit of money on one of those lapel mics. But in order to clip it, you need to have something to clip it to. So I kind of wanted to wear, like, I didn't want the mic to be clipped. No, you're showing off for me, and that's cool. I get it. That's true. That's good. That too. I want to look nice for a guest. That's a good point. All right. Well, uh, I I got I got to say, actually, this is kind of interesting hearing you rail against the advanced stats. I didn't really realize we had that get off my lawn guy on the show here. That's good. To that's know not an advanced podcast. stat. That is <laughs> not I, an advanced stat. About, like, yo, it. Advanced stats is fantastic, but you have to at least watch the games. And yes. The way I, my philosophy on like learning about a team is, I watch the game, I look at the advanced stats, and then I talk to people that like know the team. So if I'm talking to, about if I want to learn about Blazers past or something, I'll hit up Dustin or Brandon or something like that to learn from them and their expertise. You got to hit all three. It, it doing just one is. You know, you're yeah. only getting 33% of the way. By the way, I just right I have to that. correct the record here, just like Hillary Clinton supporters. Uh, an advanced stat <laughs> does not mean that you're choosing some arbitrary percentage. An advanced stat means something that is measurable, something that's consistent, that you can then tell a story about, saying, oh, yeah, they have a 70% chance of winning because they're up by 15 with five minutes to go. That's not an advanced stat. Fuck that. How dare you? I'm getting out of here. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, the basketball math guy in me, just I, I love this. I can't wait to debate this more in future shows. For now, though, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, just to, to for the record, the listener poll, 38% of our listeners said that the Blazers have a 50 to 69% chance of holding on to fourth seed or better. So we're not saying 10% are saying 90%. So we have a few people that are really confident. We got almost 30% saying 70 to 89 and only 22. About a fifth or a little more than that are saying it's 50 percent or less that we uh hold on to the spot so i think a lot of us have a little bit more optimism than you guys on here as far as the understanding of math Bro, and how like it works in sports games, though, <laughs> what if Merkic gets super unmotivated for four straight games how are we then we have zach collins game? i totally okay. i totally baby. agree um but now that we're we're transitioning to a different part of the episode keith because sage is staying and i'm leaving i want you to ask me where people can find my work for once <laughs> for once thank you brandon thank you for coming on the show we always love having mr goldner on here please come back on the trailcasters anytime like next sunday if listeners wanted to contact you what's the best way to do so sir you didn't kiss my ass quite hard enough but you can find me on twitter <laughs> at goldner pdx you can also sometimes find my writing on rip city project but you can definitely find me at trailcasters.com i'm getting out of here sage keep my seat warm thank you so much and uh, love both of you and talk to you both soon
up next, we will be back with more Trailcasters. But first, let us tell you about one of our sponsors, Clearly Speaking Oregon. Yes, Clearly Speaking Oregon. One thing that you don't really think a whole lot about when you're thinking about first impressions is the way that you sound. And I've talked about this before in the podcast. Yes, care about your looks, care about your hair. If you're Keith, you care about the length of that hair and the length of your beard. Oh, yeah. Uh, But you should also (laughs) really care about your voice and how you sound because that plays a lot into your first impressions with people. And that's where Clearly Speaking can really help. Brenda is a certified speech language pathologist, and she can help pretty much anybody find their best voice, whether you are a student athlete uh, preparing to do interviews, whether you're in the customer service industry, let's say that you work in policy and politics, or you're an actor, or you're just someone who's not comfortable in their own voice and you want to kind of have your voice kind of better reflect who you are, Clearly Speaking can help with that. If you go to clearlyspeakingoregon.com, Brenda, who is a friend of the show and listens to the show so you know that she's awesome, she will help you through. You can check out her reviews. Uh, People have loved... She's listening right now. She's listening right now, so you better just say everything nice about her. No, uh, you would anyway because she's an awesome human being. Um, But Clearly Speaking Oregon can help find your best voice. Definitely check them out. That's going to be clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Thank you again to Dylan Sage of Sage Digital. We appreciate you coming on the Trailcasters all the time. Next up, Brandon, let's talk about that Mav situation. We went over this last week with, uh, well, uh, basically some some real human rights issues, if, if, no, if no other way to put it, uh, that's been going on down there. You have called for Cuban to... Uh, sell the team essentially Uh, i'm not sure if i agree with you on that one but we certainly both agree that this has to be addressed needs to be something needs to be done something needs to be done from the top down of that organization to get this restructured and make sure this kind of thing does not happen again what they've started with cynthia marshall has been named the interim ceo for the mavericks she's formerly the chief diversity officer and vp of uh, human resources over at AT at&t she has a very good reputation per rachel nichols on the jump uh, she went to the Mavs staff and outlined three areas of focus to address the franchise's issues, independent investigation of issues like this, cultural transformation, and operational effectiveness. If you ask me, those are somewhat cliche talking points, but it does sound like this is headed the right direction. How do you feel? Does this seem like a good first step to fixing a major issue with a, a modern-day sports franchise? Yeah, I'm with you that it sounds a little buzzwordy. I don't actually know what those things mean in practice because let's just boil it down to plain language. You had staff who, um, you know, who made complaints against another staff member. Those complaints were not addressed in a way that anybody thinks is acceptable, including the owner of the Mavs, Mark Cuban, who apologized for his his response to it. So for me, it's really about how do you create a culture of accountability? How do you create an organization where if something goes wrong, people have a meaningful way of reporting those and the organization has a meaningful way of addressing those concerns and holding people accountable? That's the key here. So you're right that I did call for Mark Cuban to lose control of the team. I still feel that way. And it's very simple for me. He knew that this staff member had a history with domestic violence. He looked the other way. And then he committed another act of violence, allegedly, against one of his own staff. And instead of firing him, he said, okay, we'll have you sign a document that says you won't be in the same room as other female staffers. That's not acceptable. The guy couldn't even go to road trips to Toronto. That's not acceptable. So that's the reason why, for me, I think that Mark Cuban should be held accountable. I think that if you want to see meaningful change, it has to come from the top. So having said all of that, 
Yes, I think that this is a positive step in the right direction. If what they're doing, leaving the buzzwords aside, if what they're doing is creating an organizational culture in which people can meaningfully report things and those issues can be meaningfully addressed and people are held accountable, if that's the direction they're heading, then yes, obviously that's a good first step. Yeah, and I, I, I think you make a good point there as far as this needs to be uh, there needs to be responsibility held from the top down. I do think that Mark Cuban is, I, I appreciate, I can respect the fact that he did change his response. He came around and did kind of accept responsibility. He made at least a basic apology and is trying to make steps towards getting this addressed. Um, holding him responsible, I think is fine. I don't, I still don't know if I would say that he needs to be uh, taken out of control of the team Oh gosh, this is such a, a, I mean, this is obviously a sensitive issue and I'm not trying to sound at all like I'm trying to shield him in any way, like, because that obviously is the whole problem here is, uh, having a male shield another male because of some sort of, uh, bias or like, oh, this is only one event. Not, not really that big of a deal. I just don't know if you need to throw, I guess it's, it's kind of a throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing. Do we need to get rid of Cuban if he's already making steps to address the problems in the in the franchise itself? Yeah, I think so. Because again, his actions directly led both to one of his staff getting assaulted. And then after mm. that led to that staff not feeling comfortable to be at the organization. So they left. The staff who perpetrated that crime got to stay. Other women, if you look on, if you looked on Twitter and saw the conversation, other women who worked at the Mavs organization said that they didn't feel comfortable staying there. So they created this toxic culture in which women didn't feel comfortable working there. And it was because of the actions of Mark Cuban. To me, he's got to go. So that, that's where I'm coming coming from with this. Now, I understand that you, uh, like everybody else, uh, and, and me too, that we're all trying to be mindful about this, right? We're trying to look at what the facts are, evaluate right. those facts, and come to some reasonable you know, uh, understanding of what happened and to come to some reasonable you know, opinion about what the end result Result should be so yeah i definitely don't blame you or anyone else and like you know nobody should blame either one of us for having different views on this and for you know trying to be mindful and thoughtful about this so that doesn't mean that you know you don't care about the victims obviously you care very deeply about this and so do i the fact that we have a difference of opinion just means that we have different ways of evaluating this it means that you're wrong and i'm right and that's totally fine no just kidding <laughs> um but just to say yeah this stuff's very tricky right i think that's what i'm trying to get at it um, needs to be discussed. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky situation. I'm and and yes, I'm glad to see the Mavs are are taking steps. Uh, they need to do a lot more. Um, so we'll see in the coming weeks and months what actually ends up happening. Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on this and uh, keep you guys appraised of exactly how it develops and hopefully it, it moves forward. Hopefully there's progress seen uh, and we can all feel more comfortable about the situation going on down there as well as sports in general. Another situation with sports in general, but also kind of specific to the basketball world, officiating. We've seen a lot of issues this Ooh. year, uh, specifically with uh, a lot of uh, issues between the players and the officials this year. It seemed to have really boiled to a new level. I know it kind of happens every year. I know this is kind of cliche to talk about, but there's been players headbutting officials. There's been a lot of players getting thrown out. We've seen, I think, kind of an influx. Uh, I heard something interesting the other day. Bomani Jones on Around the Horn pointed out fewer free throws have actually uh, been given per game this year than ever before in the history of the NBA. That seems interesting to me, right? Like that is so again, this is it seems like there is more evidence there of possibly that refs are just not giving players players are not feeling like they're getting the calls they deserve. They're not getting to the line when they feel like they're getting uh the physical abuse. It, it it's funny because I feel like it's a very very much a counter argument to what we've heard for a long time of oh the NBA has gone soft and there's you know they none of these players could survive the NBA from back in the day or 10 20 years ago it would be way too physical for them. Here we're saying here we're getting the feeling from a lot of the players that it's 
being allowed to be played to physically. Uh, before we move on to the other part of this that I want to get to, the well, well wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to jump in really quick. Yeah, I think that part of when you think about that, you have to think about not only have the rules of basketball changed, but the way in which the officials interpret those w- rules have also changed. So to me, it's not so much that, well, it's a weird dichotomy because you both hear at the same time that it used to be more physical and that you hear that players aren't being protected enough. That's because players nowadays, they expect that these different rules and the different ways in which they're being interpreted are going to protect, especially shooters, are going to protect them more than the way the rules used to be and the way the rules used to be interpreted back, you know, back in the late 80s, for example. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, Anytime you have a rule, there's a couple different things that filter down as to what the end result is. You have the rule itself, and then you have how is the rule interpreted, and then finally you have how is that interpretation of the rule enforced. And how's only applied, with yeah. yeah, exactly. So only with all three of those things, you actually go from the intent to an end result. And that's a lot of jargon, but just suffice to say, the rules today are a little different. They interpret them differently. Um, and you're correct. It's like, I mean, it's obviously a lot easier, I think, for officials to just let a bunch of contact go. There's no interpretation needed because it's contact and who cares like it was back in the old days. Whereas now it's like you got to think about verticality. You can't take away someone's landing space. You can't have your hand, you know, in someone's uh, dribbling and then they can swipe up. Right. And all those things actually makes it, I think, more difficult for officials nowadays than, than, than back maybe in the late 80s. Well, and, and okay, so we also recently heard uh, LeBron talk about this, where he, uh, I think, complained after a Warriors game talking about how the rules are set up now to protect shooters and not uh, protecting Those drivers. Those stupid, He's, sexy shooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I could only Chicks think of that Simpsons that meme said? with uh, Ned Flanders in the ski suit and wagging his butt. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's amazing. Anyway, sorry. But but LeBron's point was basically that the shooters are getting these calls because the, the, the game is designed to kind of have this aesthetic of the shooter outside. And so they're protecting the guy that essentially has the camera on him more often. It's what he's saying by chicks dig the long ball. It's getting all the attention there. Whereas LeBron and other players who are driving into the basket are constantly having to be kind of bounced off of other players, getting a lot of physical contact. That should be getting a foul in his opinion. And it's not getting it possibly because the refs uh, are not the, – the, the rules are not kind of oriented that way. The, the cameras aren't keeping up. Possibly technology is not helping. The refs aren't fast enough to do it with the fastest – athletes in the world and i think that's what i'm kind of wanting to lead into with this report here 538.com released an article uh talking about which nba teams have been wronged most by refs this season uh not even this season the data is taken since the all-star break uh and it's only coming down to the last two minutes of a game where a game was in is within three points or less so clutch games close games only since the all-star break there's a very small sample size that being said Looking just at bad calls, the refs made that were calls that are incorrect or bad non-calls where they didn't call at all and there should have been a whistle there. Uh, they also even have a, a separate part of this study talking about individual players we'll get to in a second. But basically, the Blazers, the only playoff team wronged by the refs more than the Blazers is Oklahoma City. We're sixth overall, Oklahoma City's third overall. Uh OKC has two more total mistakes being called against them. They have more non-calls against them than Portland had. But we have... We were essentially leading the league in bad calls against us in the final two minutes of games in close games. What does that tell you? It doesn't tell me anything because the sample size is too small, Keith. The sample size, the sample size is too damn small. Look, I mean, how many calls was it? It was like six, right? So no, 20, 25 bad calls against us since the All-Star break in the last two minutes of games. 22 non bad non calls, as in 538 is saying a total of like 27, I think, bad uh, total. 
officiating mistakes against All right, all right, all right, all right. I, I'm That's sorry. I was, I was poking around with something else, and I wasn't listening to you because I never <laughs> listened to you anyway. No, just kidding. Uh, I, so... I don't think that you can see the sample size is still pretty small. I don't think that you can what like so what's the suggestion that like the refs are like, hey, we're gonna make sure that Portland can't win games and the OKC can't win games. I don't think that that's what's happening. Like to me, this is just statistical noise. I think the argument you could make is that the officials they either need to be better or they yes. need to have better access to technology to help them do their yes. jobs, or they need to change the rules to make the rules more uh, clearly and more consistently enforced. But no, like if what you're suggesting to me is that there's some weird anti-Portland bias with the NBA no, no, officials. No, oh, that's exactly what you're saying. Don't I'm even not, try to don't even try to backpedal <laughs> away from it. No, no, no. Okay, Portland. Mr. Tinfoil Hat Conspiracy Theory. I'm saying Listen. I'm gonna shoot that down right now. I do not think that that's true. <laughs> Listen, okay, I, okay. I'm, I'm looking at the graph for it right now. I'm just trying to break. And if you can't see the screen, Keith is like crying. He's like ripping off his clothes. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oklahoma City, 22 total between bad calls and bad non-calls. 20 two of them since the all-star break portland has 20 uh of oklahoma city's 22 bad total officiating mistakes it looks like two to three of them were bad calls where the rest were non-calls portland has five bad calls in the final two minutes of games and you got to believe here let me tie this into the other part you got to believe these are things where damien is not getting a whistle or damien is being called for something where he shouldn't be because you look over at the individual players here on the same uh study that 538 released Lillard is the sixth overall as far as getting like total officiating mistakes as an individual player. And he leads the league as far as bad calls. No other player. He has three bad calls made against him in the final two minutes of games that are within three points since the all-star break. He has three. No other player has more than two. Most have one or zero. Uh, but Spencer again, like actually. three, dude, three. Like we're talking one, How two, many three. Games? How I'm just saying, like, yes, I, close games even. I get it. I'm just saying, like, that's not a big sample size. Like, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll be as clear as I can. What <laughs> what is what is the conclusion that you are drawing from this data? What conclusion are you reaching from this? First, I'm not drawing any sort of conspiracy conclusion that it's all yes, against Yes, you are. I'm yes, trying to say, you like are. Like what you said, I'm trying to say the refs are not good enough. The refs are not good enough at their jobs to be given the responsibility. Look, we talked about this before. The refs aren't even full-time. The NBA doesn't keep full-time officials, and it was some sort of idea about how to keep them from being corrupted by not paying them enough money, which is ridiculous. But they're simply not good enough to be the top to be, to be officiating the top end of the sport, man. And this just shows their inconsistency. I'm not trying to say it's against poor specifically you could look at other parts of this on the bottom end of the list the team that is wronged the least is the orlando magic so it's not like they're not like the refs are sitting there saying oh we got to help orlando we got to really yeah they're in the bag for orlando for sure Brooklyn leads the whole uh, league too, as far as bad calls against them. So again, it's not like they're specifically trying to keep the, you know keep Brooklyn down. But so, there so, is so, something to see here. So basically, your your the conclusion you're drawing is that there is inconsistency in room for improvement. I I agree with that. Like I think that if that's what you're saying, I agree with it. But you know, again. It's it's tough. It's tough because of the rules. It, it, it basically you've created rules and interpretations that rely more heavily on the officials' judgment in a league that's bigger, faster, and stronger than it ever yeah. has been before. Makes it very, very difficult. So like, I'm not sure what the solution is. Like, I'm not sure that I agree that like, you know, that there's this like secret pool of officials that could be working in the NBA but just aren't, and they're keeping a bunch of crappy officials. Like, I think there oh. are some bad officials. I don't, no, I don't. I, I'm, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that there's like a secret, like there's like good officials the NBA is trying to keep out. I'm saying the NBA hasn't done a good enough job of making officials. They need a better system as far as bringing these guys up, finding guys who are really passionate about knowing the game and who are younger and can keep up with the best athletes in the world, or at least using more cameras and more microchip technology in the shoes and in the basketball to track what's really going on, not relying on these old man eyes. One thing that I, one thing that I would think would make this easier when, again, you look at it, you have the rule, the interpretation, and then how that plays out during the game. Just yep. make make the rules simpler to enforce. Here's one tangible example. The, yes. the swipe through rule. Okay, so when you as a defender, someone has the ball and you as a defender, like you have their arm kind of inside of their airspace where they're holding the ball or whatever. And you, you've seen this a million times from James Harden. When a defender puts his arm in and James Harden has the ball, he'll immediately swipe up and try to shoot and then they'll call that a foul. That's frustrating for the defender. That's frustrating for fans. And guess what? That's extremely difficult to enforce from play to play because if you have right. a different player who does the same thing but doesn't accentuate it the same way that James Harden does, right. guess what? Exactly. They may not like call Dame. that foul. Yeah, yeah, like Dame. They're, guess what? They're not going to call that foul even though it's substantively the same. So my solution is get rid of that stupid call. If I, the defender, have my arm somewhere and you run into it, guess whose fault that is? That's the offensive player's <laughs> fault, not the defensive player's fault. But, that's, but then it becomes this thing about who initiated contact and like that's already an issue with uh, like but, charging blocking calls. Well, that's what, I, that's what I, I'm saying to change the rules so that it, it, I, as the defender, can have my limb in your airspace and if you decide to move into that airspace, that's your problem, not mine. Like, I think that that would be much more easy to enforce and then you just call it simple. You just call it a no call and problem solved. Then you take away um, all of those different judgment calls. That makes it a little bit easier. That's just one example. Imagine if you're playing pickup ball, like trying to play out there and someone has their arm in front of you, then you try to like swing up and they're like, oh, free throw. It's like, come on. Like, that would, yeah, that that's work? a really good point. That would never happen. Like, actually, well, some people do call calls like that. I, uh, I mean, not, we, not, we've not, all not played. You want to be playing pickup ball with. Exactly. We've all, <laughs> actually, J.E. Skeets of the starters was actually just complaining yes. about, yeah, about how in Atlanta, like the, the games in Atlanta are really good, but you have these people. He's like, I'm at the point now, people are calling this bullshit calls. I'm just not, I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to play anymore. And like, yeah, who can blame them? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> we all know somebody like that. Um, it's definitely not me. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I guess, I guess oh. so my, my point is make the rules more consistent, make it, make it easier to enforce, make it easier on the, on the poor officials with their old man eyes. And use the technology, <laughs> the old man eyes. Yeah, look, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I come off a little. I'm not. Uh, I'm not totally biased against. I, mean, I know some old people have great eyes. Some old. Some of these officials are in better shape than we I. We just am. lost every listener that. over the age of fifty. You realize that, right? <laughs> I'm just. I'm just trying to point out, like you. I, you want the best officials in there. You want them to have the best tools, the best technology, and being put in the best situation, like you're saying, have the simpler rules, something that is more understandable. The one area that the NFL is really still beating the NBA is when a when a, a call is made, it's broken down on camera. The the announcers can tell you exactly what's going on and all the fans get to understand exactly what happened. You're missing that in basketball. And I think we need to change that. Yep. Nope. That's totally fair. Moving on to last week's games. This was quite the week for us, Brandon. We had a yes. victory over Sacramento on Tuesday. I was there. You and I and my wife, we met a pregame at Spirit of 77. That was a wonderful time. So followed by a solid game, solid victory. Yeah, I beat into... you soundly in the Papa Shot basketball <laughs> thing. And there's no way that my little scoring thing was broken. So every time I just hit I the rim, broken. it gave me extra points. <laughs> I was so disappointed yeah. when you pointed that out. And then the staff member's like, oh, yeah, I was totally broken. I was like, no way. And it yeah, was. Every time, every time he 
he hits the rim, he's getting like two points, and I'm only getting it when it goes through. Yeah, you I'd know, be. I, I like. I like doubled up your score, and I was like, how do I even do that? But yeah, no, anyway, that's fun. You gotta put a <laughs> handicap on us real ballers. Let you guys feel like you're doing something. Ooh, wow! Uh, I'm so upset with you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> the next game. Next game was Thursday. Uh, game uh, with Minnesota coming in here to town. We get another victory. 108 yep. to 99. What was that? Was that? Were you starting? No, you I was just, I oh, was just yeah. being happy about it. <laughs> 1.99, first five-game win streak of the season. Finally, we get through. Uh, so, so the the big thing that I think this brings up for me. Well, okay, next next part. The victory last night, one hundred eight to one hundred over Oklahoma City. Three-game homestand. Oh, yeah. Three solid victories over three solid opponents. I feel like Blazers are on top of the world. We're now in the third seed, solidly in sole possession of the third seed. How did you feel about this week? What do you remember most? I mean, I, I, yeah, I remember beating you handily at the Papa shot. I remember, <laughs> uh, no, it was a great week. And, and this is the kind of week that in this packed West, the Blazers need to have if they want to maintain their playoff positioning. So they find themselves in sole possession of third place by a hair. Like a, a very quick losing streak yeah. can drop you from third to 10th we've seen that the Spurs have slid way down in the standings because they just lost a couple of games in a row and that's all that it takes right now in the West guess what we have like what like 15 more games of this like this is I, I think this is really neat I mean what I'm going to remember about this part of this season is that this already kind of feels like the playoffs right and importantly right. in that win against OKC yesterday the Blazers are now 3-0 on the Thunder which means they've won the season series they have that yeah. tiebreaker if they need it that's extremely important and the other thing uh, you know Zach Collins I mean I, I know that we're going to talk about or we already talked about him we're recording this out of sequence so <laughs> if we're going to talk about Zach Collins with Sage but we also already did. Um, We've already I, done it in the future. I, I have been the conductor of the Zach Collins train. There is still room on this train. Tickets are still relatively cheap. He got his first post-game interview. Hop I was board. so proud of him. At the end of the game, he threw this terrible pass. It got picked off. He was pissed about it. But then he immediately played incredible Mr. Verticality, Joel Freeland-like defense yep. on Paul George and blocked the shit out of him <laughs> in a crucial moment. Zach Collins is coming into his own. So, I mean, what I'm going to remember about this week is that the Blazers really, really, really did themselves a solid with a tough end of the season schedule. They are stepping up six game winning streak. You got to love that. Dude, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and one more quick note on Zach Collins there. In the postgame interview, Brooke has given him his first postgame interview, like you said. He mentions Damon CJ says that they are the leaders on this team that carry such a load. We are here to pick up what's left. Love to hear that this guy knows his role. He's not here trying to shine bigger and brighter. He just wants to play his part and, and keep this going. Uh, and one more quick thing. It was really good to see Yusuf Nurkic on Twitter. Um, he yeah. said, congrats to the Rook. Hashtag Rip City on they ass. That's important because yeah. you've seen this chatter about, oh, is Zach Collins making a Nurkic uh, dispensable now because if Zach Collins plays so well, do the Blazers really need to re-sign Nurkic? It's really good to see Nurkic publicly encouraging the rookie. That's the right move there. So yeah, all of it just feels really, it's a, it's a good day and a good week and a good month to be a Blazer, frankly. Another thing that we'll have already talked about in the future with Sage. Uh, so looking <laughs> forward more about the future, looking forward to next week, we've got a road game in LA against the Lakers and then back home here for a game against the Knicks on Tuesday. I will be there for that one before we go into a game with the Warriors coming up here on Friday. Wow. Hopefully facing Blazers. That would be on an eight game winning streak at that point, right? If yeah. We can beat the Lakers and the Knicks. Well, the, Laker, the Lakers are on a streak themselves. Um, they've been playing very well lately. I think they just beat the Spurs, didn't they? So, And I know that the Spurs were without Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, so I get it. 
Um, Lakers are doing well. That'll be a tough game. The Knicks, frankly, should not be a tough game. That should for sure be a win. So my hope is that yep. the Blazers win both of those. I don't see them beating the Warriors again. But you never know. I mean, this could be if the Blazers beat the Lakers and the Knicks and then they beat the Warriors, guaranteed Blazers will be on the front page of ESPN. There's going to be like yep. a bunch of like Zach Lowe columns written about the Blazers. Like this is going to, if they're able to do that, this is going to really brighten Portland's star. It would be amazing to see, but I'm not going to hold my breath, but it could happen. It would be awesome to get two, three, no weeks in a row, or maybe three. What was last week? Well, yeah, this would put us at a... Anyway, as far as money goes, you mentioned the Lakers coming in a little hot. They have won five in a row, but it's been over Dallas, Sacramento, Atlanta, Miami, and then the injured Spurs. So I'm not giving them all the credit in the world for that. We have also won 13 straight games against the Lakers, so I'm feeling pretty good as far as the Blazers and how they've been doing with that. Uh, how about this? Does Mo Harkless play on Monday after sitting out this Oklahoma City game? There was a lot of chatter uh, about how he's been playing really well, but after that injury against the Wolves on Thursday, he sat out this game only because it wasn't a big deal. He said they he would have played if they needed him to. You think he plays Monday on the road? Uh, I don't know whether or not he does. I want him to rest. I think if you strain a tendon, it's his patella tendon in his knee. My hope is that if you strain a tendon like that, just rest. Don't push it. If you re-aggravate it, you've just now screwed yourselves uh, for the playoffs, basically. So, like, I'd like to see him rest. What do you think, though? Yeah, I'm with you on rest. And I, I got to say one quick note before we get on here. I do think we're going to end up with a 3-0 a week. But uh, about this 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 tendon strain, I might be putting myself out there a little bit, but I feel pretty confident about this, so I have to go with it. It's patellar tendon with an R on the end, A-R. I've heard so many people, well, not, not blaming you at all, Brandon, but I saw Jason Quick put out this a patella tendon strain that is simply not medically accurate. I think a lot of people have seen his tweet and kind of gone with that, but it's patellar tendon. If you put it in on Google, it says, did you mean patellar? Okay, that's all I wanted well, to do. Well, just to say ahead. that it's patellar. <laughs> Patellar, you're correct, and thank you for kind of low-key shitting on me right there. <laughs> Patellar, because it's a tendon that relates to the patella, so it's Patellar yes. <laughs> tendon. Fuck you in your Latin biology terms. Um, Look, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a therapist. I, they would never let me get away with letting that slide underneath there. They would hear it, and they would call me out, so I had just had to stop that in his tracks. <laughs> Hey, what is up? By now you probably realize, whoa, this is going way out of order. They said that Sage was going to stay, but then Brandon was talking. And so here's the deal. We recorded this out of sequence. I was getting confused. I had a lot of stuff to do today. I usually listen to the entire episode and I edit all the pauses and all this stuff. You know, I just, I couldn't do it. Couldn't splice everything that I needed to. So basically what's happening is we're going to go back to Sage and Keith answering your questions. But me, Brandon, I'll definitely be back next week. But until then, enjoy this conversation with Keith and Sage. And again, apologies for the less than perfect audio this week, but it's all part of the fun. So anyway, hope you enjoy it. All right, so Sage is still here with me, here to answer some listener questions. Brandon had to take off, but remember, guys, you can write us at any point of the week about anything. Don't wait till Sunday. Let us know what you're thinking right now about Blazers or otherwise, AMA and all that. Ask us about anything. We'll probably spend a bit more time on the questions about the Blazers, but we'll get to all of it. Also, quick shout-out to Mitchell Sports Cards up in Beaverton. Brandon was up there. It's too bad that he's not really here to tell the story, but he went in there, uh, was looking through the cards, and I guess had a really good experience. They gave him this Beckett that you guys have 
vaccine that you guys are competing for with the questions this week uh, and will be given away to one of our lucky listeners. First up, Jordan Rust at JRust13 asks, in the recent podcast, cap smoothing was suggested as a possibility. In previous CBAs, the players have rejected smoothing. After the large jump in 2016, Sage, which was followed by a uh, diminished increase in 2017, do you think the players would agree in the next CBA? I feel like that may, I may have read that wrong, but I think he's asking, do you think the players would agree to cap smoothing in the next CBA? <laughs> so it's not such a drastic jump in prices. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just think players this off season are going to get like $9 million contracts when like yep. last year or the year before it, it, it could get like 16 million. So I think that players will do their best to try and make money though. I mean, free agents this year are just as important as free agents two years ago or one year ago. Exactly. I like so and we're, we're think, dealing with. The... I think there's going to be some surprising deals. Like we might see Nurkic for like eight million when. Right. Dog. Last year, I was I was worried. Man, if we pay this man sixteen, seventeen, I'm going to be furious. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Nurkic is a great example because we're going to see him looking for you know not a max contract at this point. Obviously, there hasn't been quite that production, but whatever money he wants to get, it's probably going to be less than he expected, and he's going to be looking over at Myers Leonard sitting on the bench, maybe making more than him, or or even if it's relative relatively the same. Like let's say if we can get Nurk for ten or eleven, do you think Portland takes that? Would we resign him yeah. for ten or eleven, twelve million? Yeah, I think that's like God, man. I don't have the sports. Uh... It's like nine or ten percent of the cap. I'm sure that he's gonna be upset about it, but we'll take right. it just because I mean, yo, it's money. Like ten million dollars? Eh, shit. Yeah, why wouldn't he? It would make sense yeah. to, and just it's and, it would... uh, and does like he has a fan base of like forty percent of the f- people in Rip City that still love him. So like he but he, he d- found a definitely... home that at least people like him. Right, but as far as the money goes, he'll look down there and be like, this guy who's not even playing minutes is getting the same or maybe even better, or I don't know. Well, definitely or you be an interesting could look thing. at Evan Turner, who's making right. like 17% <laughs> of the cap, and be like, dog, you are good one. it's every eight games. I don't, I, I don't know about this, but... But yeah, to that's get back about, to... The, that, that's what Neil O'Shea has to explain to Nurkic and right. make him accept. Or And if he doesn't, dog, there's ways we can get that center to, be, to man the middle. So... Yeah, we've, we've got really Collins kind of backing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as worried about Nurk, but it does kind of, as far as the question Jordan was bringing up and the smoothing, it does kind of illustrate that, yeah, I think yeah. players are a little more aware of like that summer of 2016 affected not just those players that made the money, it affected everyone that came after that can't mm-hmm. make the same money and, you know, yeah, now I mean, has to deal like, with the idea of value. It's crazy how much AC got two years ago, man. And right. That still affect. that's going to affect Brooklyn for at least two, three more years. So, yeah, I, I definitely could see a cap smoothening happening. All right. So next question coming from blazers equal love slash pain at Mitch underscore Hannigod. Could you see the blazers potentially getting 50 wins this season? How many wins do they have now? Uh, 36, I believe is worse than that. <laughs> and how many games? 19 games. Just so left. you guys know, I was, a, I, I was put on this show 20 minutes before it was recorded. So uh, I, I, I don't have my research. Uh, and I was wrong. We are 37 and 26 right now, third in the West, and we have 19 games left in the season. So it's, uh, it's possible. <laughs> it's true. So they have to win 13 and lose six? Yeah, thir- 13 and six would put us at 50 wins. Yeah, sure, it's possible. I mean... <laughs> 
we have to be on our P's and Q's and take every game seriously and have our players be motivated. So could it happen? Sure. Will it? Maybe. I don't. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like we were saying earlier, there's 13 games left of these 19 against plus 500 opponents. So we got to win yeah, a number I mean, of those. And, plus and we those know the easy ones. are probably competing for a playoff spot, too. So oh, a number like, of them are. Yeah, it's, it's going to yeah, be very like, interesting. So like. I know New Orleans and Portland have one more matchup. Do you think AD is going to take it easy on you just because you're fighting for a playoff spot? Nah. So there's other teams that are competing. So how how about this? We're we're at 37 and 26 right now and sitting third. Do you think we can maintain third or fourth position in the West if we don't reach 50 wins? I mean, because like we're talking about all these teams trying to push up and down, right? Can can we if we don't get to 50, if we win less than 13 of the remaining 19 games, how far are we going to fall? Don't aren't we in good position tiebreaker wise with every uh, every team? I think I don't. Of I think a lot New of it's Orleans. open. I think a lot of it still is open. We we have the tiebreaker on Oklahoma City for sure. Uh, I know the Minnesota one is still open. Uh, that we got one more game. We have to win the division. Them. We have to yeah. win the division for Oof. us to feel safe. Yeah, because isn't a division winner there. guaranteed the fourth spot? The division winner, I think, is the next uh, tiebreaker outside of the season record. Yeah, so mostly we just got to keep winning games, and if we don't win fifty, I feel like it's going to be—I don't know—that might drop us down to five or six. Well, I think I think the most important thing is if we're matched up with Denver, Oklahoma City, or Minnesota, win those games because that's the like, the most right. important thing. Yeah, those are definitely must win to this those point. Division, is those division games, those division battles, are it, that's a motherfucker, bro. So yeah, a Blazers could potentially get 50 wins is what we're saying, Mitch, but uh, it's going to be tough and we're hoping for it. Next question coming from the beardiest at the underscore beardiest Sage. How do you think a playoff series between the Thunder and the Blazers would turn out? Fucking flames, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Total fire the whole way through. Dude. All right. So this, this is what I, you know, I'm a competitive gamer in a way. So yep. I, I've learned how to I've be heard. a competitive gamer. From people in Atlanta who love to talk shit and get you off your game. There's going to be so much shit talking in that. If we can just keep our heads on straight, I think we got it just because of Damon CJ. But man, I think it will be fire and brimstone that game. Dude, I... That series. Yeah. (laughs) So so Dwight James had a quote. Dwight James had a quote the other night saying that he would love a series between Portland and OKC because he loves when the circus comes down. He sees Oklahoma City as this like circus when they come in, just so much like you're saying, fire and brimstone. Russ brings all this chaos. Stephen Adams is the same kind of player as Nurk. He's a really big physical body that gets in there and harasses you. Right? What did I, I you think, think it'd be of great. that uh, that technical? Oh, um, on Russ? Yeah. Totally deserved. I, I mean, okay, Nurk deserved the foul. It, I thought it, when I first saw it in live action, I thought it was a bigger shove than when I saw the replays. Mm. It's like, okay, common foul. It shouldn't be anything past that. But Russ went right up and got in his face. He had no yeah. reason to, no right to, no excuse. So, yeah, technical all day. I think he could have gotten a second one a couple times. There was a spot where uh, Russ mm. thought he had earned a foul himself, and the ref didn't give it to him. So after he like had missed this layup, uh, was looking for the foul, he like hopped full off the ground and shook his hands. He's only a matter of feet from the ref, and he's facing right at him. If Lillard did that, if Lillard like missed a, a didn't get a foul call and hopped off the ground screaming in a ref's face, he'd be thrown out of the game right there, right? I I, I think that Russ got a little bit uh, too much gravity from the. But like, yeah. When I was, when I was talking, <laughs> when I brought up the fact that I play video games well, like I kind of see it as like if I know that I can get in your head by getting into your face, and Nurk yeah. got a quick. Foul right after yeah. that. Yeah. So 
Russell did what he was supposed to. He saw a chance to get our emotional ass center off his game and rattled. Because I don't think he played much after it. I think he finished the game, but that's about it. Like I got what Russ was doing. He's like, yeah. if I if I get a tactical, it's not that big of a deal. But if I get this dude who can match up with my center in his head, in his feelings, and do some dumb shit, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, and that would be, I think, the most interesting part of a series between the Thunder and Blazers would be the same way that we have this emotional center who you can kind of get in his head and it will alter his play and might affect what we have to do on the floor. Same thing can be said about Russ. You can get in that dude's yeah. head. He he gets in his own head whenever he has to play Dame. So I feel like Dame, that would kind of yeah. be an advantage for us in the long run. Uh, so yeah, that would, that would be interesting. I'm not sure if it would be our best matchup, but it would be one that I think we'd feel pretty good about. Um, the uh, emotions would be high. Yeah, I, yeah, it'd be I, a like fun the, one. The Rose Garden would be bumping, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, man, I'd be going to those games for sure. Uh, question number four. Matthew at Reverend Romulus. CJ has been in a bit of a shooting slump, or at least his two-pointers are down from last year. I think this probably came in before last night. He shot pretty well. Uh, he says, is this a concern for the long-term development of this team that he isn't taking a jump this year like the previous season? So, yeah, Sage, is, uh, is it a problem that CJ is not really kind of showing another level like he did the last couple seasons? Isn't he still? like elites of elite yep. at shooting mid-range and shooting in general yeah i'd say he's pretty elite yeah like it's hard to excel from excellent to what's that next level I, I, i'm i'm worried about this team but cj having a dip in statistically in numbers doesn't really scare me yeah, I think uh, it, CJ has had a couple down games where he, like not even as much that he's he, he disappeared. He just yeah, he just he hasn't been he hasn't had the highlights. He hasn't played as big of a factor. Like we're seeing Dame and Ed and even Zach Collins and these other guys, Mo Harkless, really step Aminu. up in a in yeah, Aminu. Really, all these guys really stepping up in the time of need. And I feel like CJ has almost kind of taken a background yeah, he, role, which is kind of strange. He's not clutch in the the, the last few minutes of the game. Like hmm. when when he's pounding the ball at the top of the key. For like eight seconds, I know that play isn't going to lead to anything positive towards us because what he's best at is like one, two dribbles, and then he makes his move. When he's pounding the rock at the top of the key, which he did a lot in the month of January and February, right. it that's where it's not good. But so I, if I was worried about CJ, I would be worried about the times that both of them aren't hot at the same time because when they're hot at the same time, we win damn right. near every game because it's, it's tough to to stop two amazing guards but when it's just one you can focus on that guy you can you can decide to say hey dame ain't killing us and cj isn't being cj that's what worries me about this playoffs when it's nice having shabazz is kind of the backup when some of that happens too but let me ask you kind of a side tangent on this question uh cj there's all this talk about like if, him as a trade option someone that'd be moving elsewhere to run his own team do you it sounds like what you're saying and i kind of agree with you i think cj is more of a true shooting guard not a point guard he's not one of these guys that he's a great offensive player but he's not there to run an offense and make the guys around yeah. him better in the same way that dame or other true point guards do that's mm -hmm. why i think he fits here so well that's why i don't i don't think there's this necessity to necessity to move him like we kind of here sometimes i i definitely think if cj gets his own team he's going to blossom into like a top top guard but yeah but but not a point what guard. he do is no 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 not but he he is not gonna find others consistently but he can get his own offense very consistently right. if he knows all right i am this guy i'm this team's guard i i have to make these shots 
I have to do this, this, and this. And I think he would excel in that role. But as a point guard, no. But as a guard, yeah, he'd be he'd be crazy. I one of the things I've noticed is because those two don't kill it on the same game a lot. I think that Dame and CJ have a really competitive relationship with each with each other, and they're so similar that like it's not the best because of. Uh, <sighs> See, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not sold on the similarities. I, I, they, like, CJ is such a mid-range player. Dame does the three or the drive. Dame is looking really good on defense. He's much better distributor, like we've said. But CJ is like unstoppable anywhere on the floor. They, they got enough differences. They're both differences. crazy offense. They're both very gifted. They're both kind of small. Yeah. I, I honestly think they just are really competitive with each other. And that's why they don't hit at the same time. Hmm. But I, Interesting. <laughs> it's, yo, it's tough. Like is this the way that we're going to go or is one of these guards going to go away so we can get, you know, more traditional with our team? I, you know, it's the million, it's the $50 million question. right? <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to that one. Cause we keep hearing it. We've done that. Oh man. Yeah. You and I could probably go off on, I guess. Well, like I mean, this, this podcast is much longer than your normal <laughs> Trailcast oh, will be. We got more going too. <laughs> uh, okay, so next question coming in. We've got one from Facebook actually. John Dutt. Uh, shout out, man. Thanks for getting to us from Facebook. Not as many on there, but always, guys, feel free to write there as well as Twitter. Uh, John Dutt asks, who are the top five dunkers in the history of the Trailblazers? Oh, that's a tough one. Clyde, Neither you or Jerome. I are. Okay, okay. Uh, Isaiah Ryder was on the team. I don't know if he was good at that time. Um, yeah, this is tough. Like, I don't. What is your history with the Blazers? Because, like, obviously, me, I've only been a fan of this team since 2012, and then really only broad. Like, I've I've studied as I broadcasted about this team, but like, I don't know the history. Like, you know, Dustin Hawes would kill this question. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, D Hawes. Shout out to D Hawes for sure. He's an absolute historian on the Blazers. Yeah, but I think Jerome is a bad boy when dunking. Uh, Sheed, Clyde, you got Sheed in there. Yeah, I get. Yeah. Um, shit, who else? Bill Walton threw down. Man, he had some good dunks yeah, back he, in, in the old he, videos. Yeah, he had some. He's a, he was a bad boy. Um, let's see. How do you feel about Dame dunking? Remember the year that he went to the All Star game? He actually yeah, had like, some he, real good he, dunks. He he didn't he compete in every single. Uh, yeah, first player so, to do all. So I guess we can year. throw Damon. But again, like. I, I what I will do because I think this show will be out first. I will ask Dustin Oz on there the holding backboard tonight. There we go. One of the top five dunkers of all time. Let's get some I don't crossover. Think you, I don't think you and I answered this question well enough, <laughs> just because of I don't. How long have you been a Blazers fan? Screw the, like. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This, yeah. this is fair. I, I was I was a Blazer fan when I was a little kid. Uh, lived up here in Portland and came to a lot of games with the family, but never quite connected with basketball as much. I was playing soccer. Was doing some other sports. Then in college, kind of really got into basketball, following the Phoenix Suns when they had Nash and Amari and Grant Hill and all those guys. I moved back here after college, right after the Jill Blazers era, right when we had Roy and Aldridge and somewhat Odin. And so I kind of like it was this time where I I had found my new love for basketball, doing fantasy ball and all this down in college come back up here and it's like oh yeah i remember this team let's do this so i love i've had a long passionate uh love affair with the with the team it's just kind of had a gap in the middle and it's definitely not uh definitely have not been as much the historian but i don't know man i i feel like you've got 
We've, got, we've had a number of good dunkers. We, Brandon Roy had a lot of good dunks. Jerome Kersey had some dunks. Sheed, Drexler. I think Lillard has even had some pretty powerful ones, and I like the way that mm-hmm. the little guys look when they're going up for it. Just It looks like more effort, more kind of like climb to get up there, you know? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think we tried to answer that question. I think we did, and I think a crossover <laughs> to your pod is a great idea. So, uh, John Dutt, thank you for writing in from Facebook again, and please, uh, all of you guys, check out the Holy Backboard. Dustin and Sage will be going over this later, and they will answer that question from John. Dustin will about well, the top Dust, five dunkers Dustin in history. Will. Dustin will. He'll, he'll have the official. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like but, yeah. I'll struggle to contribute to it. But I think yeah, Jerome but, and Drexler have to be on that list. Okay, I like it. That, that's good. No, so wait, we'll get, have we'll get... I ever told? I don't think I've ever said. I, before Jerome Kersey died, I oh. DJed a game. I used to be the DJ for the Portland Tro. Oh no, but the Portland State Vikings. Ah, oh. <laughs> nice. So I DJed for Damian Lillard, and I've de- uh, DJed for Jerome Kersey before he passed. That's I just sweet, remembered dude. that. That's um, awesome. Like uh, I, I played a bunch of Earth, Wind, and Fire for him, and he got down. <laughs> shout out awesome. to him! Oh, I think, I think the there's curses. a I think there's a few photos of him at a Portland State game, and you'll see me like DJing from the the like top rafter of the Portland That's excellent. State Vikings. Yes. Oh my I god, I love that. it. All right, all right, let's get back to this. Uh, so that was uh, from John Dutt. Thank you again, and you'll get the answers for that on the Holy Backboard tonight. Cross over to one of our other buddies, Good Pods. Check it out. Next question coming in from Rip City itself at Rip City 503 Sage, how good would this team be if CJ was 6'6"? Six, six? How tall is he now? 6'3"? Six, 6'3 uh, six, might be generous, but yeah, something like that. Let me look at this up real fast. Yeah, well, I, I want to... Yeah, I want to look. If it's like one extra inch, I... <laughs> I, I <laughs> just like gotten just a little bit. No, I mean yeah. it. Well, I mean, six it, it would three certainly... according to Wikipedia. Yeah, and it would certainly put him more in like the range of Roy, right? Give him. A oh wait, more, wait, wait. Like... He said, Wiki says he's six four, so it's two inches. Well, Basketball Reference has got him at six three one ninety, so yeah, okay, he's somewhere okay. in that range. Uh, but I yeah, think... I mean, it, it it puts him more like a Brandon Roy type, like uh, body size. Well, right? does and the added size take away from his dribbling dribbling ability? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Again, like, Roy like, had some he, great he, handles. Yeah, he has some great handles, and I'm assuming it's because he was always small and had to develop those hezzies and those crossovers because he was so much smaller and had to generate space. If he was actually, like, normal size for a shooting guard, would he have worked so hard in the gym? I don't know. But it's an if, interesting like, point. A- if this is NBA 2K and you can just raise him up two inches, he'd be a bad motherfucker. <laughs> but, you know... That would be the video things... gamer's answer, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if he's normal size, he doesn't have to have all of those dribbles. He can hit them with, like, I'm assuming the athleticism or, you know, one, ter- one dribble, not 12. So. And, and again, I'm, I'm just going to keep making this comparison because the more I think about it, the more I think it fits. I think a 6'6 six, six CJ is essentially Brandon Roy. They're, you both have these guys who have really great hesitation and kind of change up a pace. They both hit mid-range shots. Uh, and yeah, Roy probably has a little less handles, but he gets up to the rim a little more. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think a taller CJ. Or how about that? Let's look at CJ. We basically have a shorter incarnation of our former legend uh, Roy on the team, so that works out for me. Next question's coming in from Benno Vaughn at Archimboldi PDX. God, I hope I said that one right. Uh, first says I'll have one after tonight's victory. Said that before the OKC game, and then we did get the victory. Shout out, man! I did notice that nice move there, uh, man or woman. I'm not quite sure from the name there, but uh, then the question. They ask, which upcoming game will give us the most realistic look at our ability and potential in the playoffs? 
<laughs> He's digging out the schedule. Okay, yeah, so upcoming, obviously. On I am Monday. not prepared for this podcast, obviously. <laughs> we've we've got uh we've got the Lakers in New York coming up. We got Golden State Friday, Miami, Cleveland, Detroit, Clippers, Houston, Boston, OKC, New Orleans. OKC on the road, actually. I'm gonna go with that one while Sage is thinking about his answer here. Maybe Golden uh, State. Golden State this Friday, I could see that one. Golden, uh, although you know, Golden State at home this Friday after the beatdown we gave them before, I'm not sure if it's going to be the best thing to like really define how our our pr- performance is looking. But end of this month, we have a road game in OKC on the 25th. That uh, road trip looks pretty damn scary, dog. Well, not Memphis, but New Oklahoma Orleans, City Memphis, and, yeah. yeah. But I'm telling you that that Sunday game against OKC, if we uh, especially if we're considering them a uh, more that's likely one playoff day after matchup. my birthday for everybody who cares. Oh, shout out, dude! Happy birthday on the 24th. <laughs> there, all right. Well, you make sure we get tweets out to Sage on the 24th this month, guys. Also, actually, shout out to uh, Tara Biggs and Blazers. What they've got uh, the next Blazers what meetup? I think is that uh, that game mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. Sunday the 25th. Shout out to Tara. She's she's the fucking best. Like she's excellent. But yeah, I feel like that is the game I'm looking at as far as uh if I want to see how we're gonna be doing in the playoffs, the game that Sunday against Oklahoma City is gonna be the one to see like how we can really perform probably even against them. And if we perform well against them on the road in their building, then again I'm feeling pretty good about that series. What in do you the think? Next few games, do you think we're gonna have like a positive record? I think we'll beat LA, New York. I think we'll lose to Golden State and Oh man, that Miami game's that Miami game's interesting. If we let Dwayne Wade try and beat us, I think we'll win. But if like boring <laughs> yeah. Drogic and Whiteside play their games, I think we could lose because that team's tough and they're slow and they play great defense. Anyway, I I'm, think that I'm, Golden State game just because of the level of talent, and then they'll be angry about you know letting that game against us a few weeks ago. Down. I mean, they play. They played that game. Drink. They did. 50. No. Like, they, they, they they played they, for that. Like they have, they could, you know, rest on their laurels and not give a shit about the regular season because they have four <laughs> of the best, four of the best players in the league, right? Right. But they took our punch and then re, like countered. Like they tried hard that game. Yeah, so they, they were not letting off. Yeah, they, no, they, they weren't were not just letting us that. have this. Yeah. All right, so uh, Benno also had a bold prediction here. Bold prediction, Myers Leonard breaks out, relatively speaking, during the rest of the season and becomes a key role player in the Blazers' run to the Western Conference Finals. Oh, what do you think of that? Uh, What's more likely? What's more likely? Myers has a role on this team where we make the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> oh, man. Uh that we make the Western Conference Finals. Oh, Damn, I feel bro. horrible playing. I feel horrible saying that. Yeah, I know you Myers, guys. Man. You guys are all about being nice to Myers. So I, get I love it, Myers, but... dude. I, I look. I, I, we've seen Zach Collins playing so well recently. I think everything we're getting from Zach is what we wanted from Myers. I'm not even convinced that it's impossible. Myers doesn't have it in him. I still don't know if we're going to see here, it here. God. Not yeah, here. Exactly. But but not I think in, he could totally not in Portland. He could see what Collins is doing, though, and then if he gets moved somewhere, he's like, well, that's what I need to be doing. Like, he could still turn into that. It's just, yeah, it's probably not going to be for a Blazer. You know, so. you know what's crazy? People, <laughs> people talk shit about Myers or any player, but like, if you look statistically at the 10th or 11th draft pick, do you know how frequently they're not good enough to be on your team? Yeah, totally. No, you're like, right. It's like, like he's, he's pretty good pick of the for time, You don't get a guy good enough to be on your team. So Myers is just one of the 80% of the people that may or may not be good enough to be on the team. And this <laughs> situation for him is probably the most toxic I've ever seen. Like, people yeah. fucking hate Myers. Like, it's a hostile environment for him. 
if he goes to a place that potentially could nurture him, because he does have natural skill, I think it'd be cool, but I don't think it'll ever happen in Portland. Yeah, uh, I, I, I got to agree with you on that one. I'm, I hate to say it. Uh, but Benno, This isn't like a in. normal Trailcasters <laughs> podcast, is it? It's just me rambling. No, you're good. Hey, believe me, have you not listened to our question before? This is what Brandon does. You're doing a great Brandon, honestly. I think you're doing a very good impression here. Uh, but listeners, please feel free to get those predictions in there as well with your questions. That was kind of a nice way to do it. It's almost like a true or false for us to go over. Next question coming in from B Prime at JTLE June 4, I think is what I have there. I might have spelled that wrong when I wrote it in. Apologies. You know, uh, reading, doing live reads is a bit. You know, so you're doing, you're doing a fine job. Biggie asks Sage, would the Blazers benefit if Seattle can get an NBA team? Does it help to have a close rival? Well, that rivalry between Portland and Seattle, in like everything, is so vicious. Oh, yeah. so, and it would cut down on our travel just because there's, we always are the most well-traveled team just because of. Yep. We're in the Northwest and there's no other, you know, team over here. So I guess it would help with the travel and it would incite a Seattle-Portland rivalry, which is always so passionate. So I oh, think yeah. that it would be a, I think it'd be dope for us to, you know, have a Seattle-based team. But you ever you know, go to as, any a, as a Pelican fan, I hated when people would say, you know, the Hornets could go up to Seattle or... You know, the Kings could go up to Seattle. Right, right. Like, that, as a fan of that city and that team, and, you know, before I started doing work with the Holy Backboard, I would be like, yeah, if New Orleans loses their team, I just won't be a fan of the NBA. So I would hate yeah. for a, to team, move a, a city like Atlanta or the Kings to Seattle. That would suck for that fan base. I know right. Atlanta fans suck, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hang out with nothing but Atlanteans online. I know they suck for, for the Hawks. No, I, I hear anyway. you, man. It, it, it would suck to... It, you definitely would feel for any t- uh, fan base that would have to have their team moved. As far as if uh, if Seattle could get an NBA team, it would be cool to have... You know, you'd you obviously know, have to be... In, or something. Right, and, and yeah, exactly. And they'd obviously have to be in our division, so it would give us some close competition. You'd and think then, that would help like, change up the road. And then maybe OKC would be out of our division. Or exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, so you got to restructure all the divisions at that point, so we probably end up like making an actual regional, geographical, like mm-hmm. us, Seattle, probably Golden State, right? Maybe who else would be Sacramento. nearest to us? Sacramento, yeah. So, uh, and I don't maybe know who Denver the fifth or something? Yeah, Denver would probably still fall in there. So that's an interesting, like, Northwestern division. That kind of changes up a lot, actually. Us, Golden State, Sacramento, Seattle, and Denver as a uh, Northwest division. I like it. Okay, anyway, we'll we'll come back to that in a future uh, future pod. I like that question, though. Joe Cooney is the next one writing in. At too much tuna 83 is Brennan, <laughs> <laughs> is Brennan Roy's number ever going to be retired? <laughs> you still on the name? <laughs> You answer first. Huh? <laughs> uh, Sage is ready for lunch. Is Brandon Roy's number ever going to be retired? I'm saying, yeah, man. I, yeah, I, think I mean, like they didn't they they retire. Day. Oh man, Dave Twardzik. They retired a lot of people. <laughs> like Brandon and, Roy is. I love Dave Twardzik. When I watched the '77 team, Dave Twardzik was a bad motherfucker. But Brandon Roy is was legitimately like the face of our franchise for numerous years. Whereas Dave Twardzik was like. The right. 77 version of J.J. Barea. <laughs> when, and I think that's part of the problem, though, is the Blazers have so many retired numbers already that it's uh, maybe they're just kind well, of trying to like, wait a bit. Has there ever been a 7? Like, ever since uh, Brandon? 
No, I don't think that's a good point too. They're not you're not really seeing anyone else play that number. That's a very good point. So at the very least, there's like an unofficial respect for it around the franchise that no one else is picking mm-hmm. that up. But yeah, I think we're both saying yes to that. It'll get retired one day. Uh, next, next questioner coming in, Dana Bowie. Uh, did Zach Collins' performance in the OKC game just save Neil Olshay's job? And thanks for the great pod. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for writing in. But what do you think? Did uh, did Neil Olshay just get saved by Collins last night? No. I mean... You, you feel good about Neil Olshay's job? You feel he's secure? Absolutely not. Like, 2016 <laughs> is always going to be the the thing that Blazer fans have to think about when in regards to signing free agents. We we spent so much money on Evan Turner and so on and so on that 16 is the thing that's going to get him fired. I love the Zach Collins pick. I yo dog. I think he's a great player. But let's keep in mind when I said 10% of picks at right. pick 10 are good enough. Like I think he actually is. But then we. How do you feel about the Biggie pick? Because I, 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 you know, from Jumpington, I didn't like it, but like that draft I mean, is gonna go like back when we in ten years in the future, that draft is gonna be so deep, and the yeah. fact that we traded two lottery picks for or two lottery tickets in a way, like every every pick in that draft was a lottery ticket for you know a, a usable player. I don't think Zach Collins will be good enough to make up for we could have mm. had player a b and c yeah it, it's tough to say because i like i know malik monk and some of the other ones that were drafted around that spot like that donovan, people said mitchell the like the baddest, taken. donovan mitchell baddest, yeah baddest boy but like and that that one's gonna stink for sure but i like zach collins man i, I think, think he's I looking too. good like, defensively he, he's special he and like we talked about earlier that like post up defense and pick and roll defense he excels at which is yeah. so rare with a big and like, even last night good at one or the other we saw in the matchup last night, he got out on the arc in a mismatch uh, and still managed to stay with his opponent all the way to the basket. He defended How all the way in. How old is he? Uh, he's, he's not 20? old. Yeah, man. He's, uh, he's down so there. He's definitely... How many, how many kids that are 20 years old? And goddamn, I can actually use kids now. I'm old balls. Uh, <laughs> how many kids, 19 or 20, know the rules of verticality and then follow them defensively? He's special defensively. Work, yo, Brandon, if you're hearing this, which you have to, keep this in. Oh, that was too funny. Yeah, so I just dropped the Skype call. I, can't, I cut you off. <laughs> someone, someone, not me, not me, accidentally ended the call. <laughs> well, anyway, please continue with what I'm sure you were saying was a great point. I don't about even Zach remember, Collins there. Doug, but <laughs> Zach Collins is special because he knows the rules of verticality and actually yes. abides by them. So he's special. Yeah. But... Are we you, saying the, the, that the question Bell couldn't is, be with that 26 pick? Or are we saying Wesley oh. Wando could have been good with the 26 pick? I don't know. So you're saying the problem isn't Collins. The problem is the biggie pick. Like, could we have gone with, could we have gotten Collins and still gone with like Jordan Bell? Would that have been in the same range? Well, just think, I, I think that, I think that that pick was based on our necessity to have a big, because the year before then we only had one healthy big in the playoff series versus Golden State. I think Neil's strategy was we're never going to not have that pro- we're never going to have that problem of too few bigs for a series and he went with two bigs hmm. how would our team yeah. look with Jordan Bell and Zach Collins or I or shit 
I, I still love Wesley Wander. So how would our team look with a, a small forward that can play, make hit threes and defend? Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, everyone has heard me say plenty that a small forward that can play both ways is kind of the critical piece we keep missing on out here. Uh, yeah, it's a fair point. Um, I know, I, I know, know people love their biggie picks, but I've, I've been anti biggie for, for a while. I think it's all but about I, like with a big, I think the number one thing you have to have is defensive. Uh, like you have to be a threat defensively. I don't think Biggie has lateral quickness to keep up with bigs mm, in this NBA. Yeah, yeah. Biggie's definitely he's could definitely not a center. Him, he's a smaller player. Could you imagine well, what about, him chasing what about Ryan Biggie as like a Draymond? Well, what about Biggie as like a Draymond Green, like kind of that player that can a switch? Draymond Green I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the lateral. Defense? Uh, okay, okay, okay. I see where you're going with that. On to the I'm next sure question. that I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for all of the <laughs> anti-Biggie shit. You're good, bro. Uh, we'll we'll send it your way when we get it sent to the trail cashers. Right? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get your Twitter handle back up there actually for everyone to write it straight to you. Next question coming in from Kim Thrasher at Kim Thrasher. She is first. The, she question. is awesome. I think her birthday was a few days ago too. Oh, well, happy birthday, Kim! Uh, first question: Who knew this would be such a good game? I assume they're talking about OKC last night. You watched that one, right? Doug, I do broadcast <laughs> about this team. So yeah, I did watch it. I, I I said that they were gonna win, but yeah, you know those those rivalry games, those division games are passionate, and when both teams really want this win, you know, beautiful things can happen. So shout out to our team for getting that that all important W. All right, so I know we talked about this earlier, but Kim's second question is uh, the way the good guys are playing right now. How far do you think they go into the playoffs? So Sage, let's get your official prediction. Where do we? What seed do we finish with in the playoffs? Fifth. Fifth. Okay, yeah, that's in the range. And matching up against what? Timberwolves yeah. or OKC? Yeah, Timberwolves. I see it too. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you. I, I could take better than fifth, but we probably match up with either either the Wolves or OKC, and I'm looking forward to either one. And if if we match up with those two teams, do you think we win? Timberwolves yes. or Spurs? I I, th- I think oh Timberwolves Spurs or OKC I think we have a pretty good chance to take the series on. I'm most worried of those three. I would say I'm most worried about OKC. The rust uh, and the, the rust like going nuclear factor. Yeah, yeah, and then it's a toss up between well, Timberwolves and we or don't Spurs have anyone to guard Paul uh, Paul George. Aminu's done a pretty good job of that. But are I, you, I mean, are you going to take Aminu away from Carmelo Anthony? I will say when I watched Car- uh, when I watched Aminu in New Orleans, he guarded Carmelo prime Carmelo Anthony in fact mm, yeah. better than anyone I've seen. Well, you've heard the comments from Carmelo like he knows he's over the hill now. He was talking the other day about how he has to take but a diminished role. He's not games, the player he was in four games with a ton of rest beforehand. Mm, you can yeah. see prime Melo. So I wouldn't put I I I might let Chief be on Melo just because I know for a fact he can stop him. Well, the real critical thing is we need a, a healthy Mo Harkless back to really make that matchup work. So, okay, yeah, in that case, uh, I would definitely lean towards wanting the the Wolves or the Spurs in there. And oh man, that a series against Lamarcus would be amazing. And I feel like we would do well against just the think about Wolves all the just because they can't shoot threes. The that will come through with a, <laughs> with a Spurs matchup. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, next question coming from Ty, Ty Delbridge, excuse me there, at Ty Delbridge underscore NBA. Who are you taking in a fight, Yusuf Nurkic or Steven Adams? Steven Adams. That's a good question. Taking Steven? I see the bitch in Nurkic. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think one of the biggest problems I with this mean, is I mean, he can Nurkic whoop my ass, loss. and I know his dad can whoop my ass, <laughs> but I see the bitch in him sometimes. 
No, I, I'm standing with the Bosnian beast. I think Stephen Adams has got the, the the visual. He looks the part. He's got the mustache and the hair. He looks like Aquaman from the new movies and, or, or Game of Thrones, if you want, want to go that direction, too. But, I mean, Nurkic, man, like I, I feel like he's got this kind of the, the quiet swagger about it. Not super quiet. He's not but quiet he's, at all. He's not quiet. Like, but if I'm you just think he's, I'm loud, he's just as loud as me, Doug. <laughs> I'm just saying he's giving the look. He's saying you don't want this. I'm more afraid of the guy who's keeping his hands down and not trying to do it than the guy who's Dog, already pushing seen, ready to go. You've seen Nurkic push <laughs> shooting guards around trying to act tough. I don't see Steve Adams picking on a guy 100 pounds lighter than him and seven inches shorter. I'm, well, I, 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 just, I roll, I'll roll with uh, Steven Adams. What Nurkic is going to do is he's going to take the first push and flop over. And con- he's such a good flopper that he's going to convince Adams. He's going to sell it so well. He's going to convince Adams to come down, like kind of lean in. And just he's going to get him, like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, hook him gonna, from behind. He's going to start raining like down. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, get some ground and pound going. <laughs> See? Oh, yeah. Okay, final question, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Who and do you Sage think, again. Who's the, oh. the NBA player you would least like to get in a fight with? The NBA player that I would least like to get in a fight with, uh, I mean, Perkins was pretty far up there back in the day, man. That guy always had the mean. Kevin KG, obviously, mm, he's crazy. never gonna mess with KG. Uh, man, I don't know. How about one I'd most like to get in a fight with? I feel like Ron Artest, man. I got a lot of hate rage for Ron Artest. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the few I would like. He he's definitely one of those that I would least like to get into a fight with. I think I know David West is a trained fighter, so. I would, oh, he's man. a box. He he could fuck shit up. But all right, let's go back <laughs> to right, the well, listener questions. Not my weird what, what, wait. What, what about Blazers? Which is the scariest Blazer? If it's if, if it's not Yusuf Nurkic, which Blazer would you put up against Stephen Adams? Probably Ed Davis. I think he's bad about it. There you go. I think, yeah, I, yeah, I, like I think Ed Davis is bad about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to run into Ed, man. He's got he's got it going. Okay, final question here. Let's roll on. And again, Sage, thank you for joining us. Thank you for filling in for Brandon. You've done a great Goldner impersonation today. We much he quotes, appreciate he it. He quotes Master P. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to leave that one to, for him to answer when he comes back. Uh, last question from Michael Mann at Portland Mike. Is Yusuf Nurkic playing well enough this year for the Blazers to pay him big and nope, keep him nope, around for nope, the future? Nope, nope not pay him nope. big. Nope, <laughs> You're nope, not nope, going to nope, let nope. me get there. Not pay him big. <laughs> I mean, he's not doing bad, man. Yo, he's looking better the last on, couple dog. games, too. I know, I, this is his year. He's supposed to remember the Marvin Williams contract year marvin williams how he plays out of his mind to get that next contract right right we don't see that with nurkic we see him get frustrated then get two fouls and sit out the rest of the game dog yeah i mean I that's why i saying, said but... i see the bitch in him <laughs> okay okay hold on let me just say this though uh nate man on rip city project points out since january 1st oh, nurkic had <laughs> No, 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 no. I No, this is me. This is me. I got you. I had this from uh, saved on the side. I was pulling this up. Nurkic has had eight of his 10 best rebounding games in the new year uh, since January 1st. So he got in like 15 nine? Of the last, <laughs> in 15 of his last 16 games, he's committed no more than two turnovers. So we're seeing a better, end on, a better job on that end as well. He's shot over the last five games. He's like 61.5%. So he's, his shooting percentages are going up. Uh, I mean, he's how looking good. How many shots he's does he better. take in the last however many games you said? Five? <laughs> How many shots did he take? He, he's, he took a number, I think. <laughs> oh, All right, man, yeah. I remember last time I was really mean to you about you want a Miritich on the team. Oh, Miritich, yeah. <laughs> I want to address that. I've been watching okay. Miritich every game now. If Zach Collins didn't exist on this team, I think Miritich would have been a fine addition. 
Okay, okay. I, I can take that. I accept your apology if that <laughs> If it was an apology. Um, <laughs> no, okay, but look, so before Oklahoma City, uh, his previous five games for Nurkic, 17, 15, 14, 17, 16, that was the scoring. He also had like 13 rebounds, seven rebounds, 13, nine. So, I mean, it's it's got room to improve, but it's not looking as bad as he did earlier in the year. As what far about as that, that goes, game I'm against not, Utah? What about the like? There are right. games so, where he looks absolutely uninterested to play basketball. I'm, I'm not yeah. <laughs> and against a team like this is contract year Merkic. Are you feeling yeah. great about that? I, I don't feel like he's earning a big contract, kind of like what we said earlier too. He's not going to get the money that he wanted to get. He's not playing well enough to earn it. Plus, just the idea that it's not the same market as it was even a few years ago. And I think that's what they're still comparing to. But do we keep him around? Does Portland still keep him around? I say sure. yes. I think we see him another year at least. But I You're think with that? yeah. I mean, like, if someone knocks his socks off with, like, a a $14 million contract and we have the option to match, or if he says, I'll join you uh, if you offer the same amount, I wouldn't. I would ask that team that he signs to for a a sign-in trade, and then we have a $12 million trade exemption that a, Mm. a legitimately good GM could find a center for. So we were talking earlier saying like 12 or 11 or 10 would be okay, but you're saying like 14 is, so it's like 14 the cap or like 13 or 12 is like the mark for no more than that for Nurk this year? You know, it's crazy. Like Mason Plumley, who we traded him for, is getting, I think, that much. And now it's like, I, he, I know he offers more than Mason, but like, oh yeah, I feel like because of this year, he might get less, but I think he deserves more. But, so maybe he takes it one year or something with us. Well, you then, think, well I don't know. Portland's not going to want that. Maybe a two and a one or something like that. Because then he'd yeah, be yeah. like a, a... He was drafted in 2013 because he was the Gary Harris draft or the CJ McCollum draft. Nurkic? Yeah, I believe... Uh, no, 2014. First round of the 2014. 16th pick. Okay. Yeah, because he got traded for uh, Gary, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think he might... You know, he might sign a two and one and then... You know, try and get that big money on the next like few years. I don't know, but honestly, the way people say like we're stuck with Nurkic, it isn't true. A good GM right. could find creativity even in a market where there isn't that much money to get a usable center. Like you know, I'm sure my uh, I'm sure Orlando would take you know a first for Vucevic or something like that. It's not all mm, Nurk or nothing. Interesting. It's not Nurk or nothing. It's Nurk. Right. It, it could be Nurk or something else. It isn't just Nurk or nothing. And again, Portland does have a lot of these or uh, Zach lever- Collins. leverage what chips. Zach yeah, Collins Zach Collins is here. Insane. You know, what if he develops right. that, you know, if we see if we see these last 19 games played from Zach Collins are just really going off, it gives us that much more leverage against Nurk as far as having to feel like we're locked into him demanding a large price mm-hmm. and us needing to pay it. Uh, but listen, Sage, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. Uh, I've kind of liked this change, if I got to say. This was fun. You and I went off on some, some tangents about the listener <laughs> questions. I'm sure they appreciate that. Brandon might not appreciate this, as this is going to be a long, long segment for him to get to a on minute, the editing later. An hour 15, he can, <laughs> he can handle it. Oh, yeah. He can handle it, and he'll handle it, because we let him go early. He owes us for this one. Yeah, but you, yeah sir. I've, 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 added, I've added value to this podcast. <laughs> and if you want to hear my podcast, it's The Holy Backboard. Yes. I uh, co-host with my good buddy, Dustin Haas, who was... Shout the, out. He is the best former Blazers uh, social media manager. No shade thrown, <laughs> but I think he was the best. Um, 
So he and I, oh, no. he and I have about 107 <laughs> episodes of the Holy Backboard podcast. You can hear oh, yeah. us on iTunes, oh, geez. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and every Tuesday, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., we rebroadcast our show on Dash Radio, nothing but net. So check nice, us out. Nice. Oh, and uh, if you want to hear me talk more shit, because you like hearing <laughs> that, every Tuesday I stream with the homeboy Stupendous, and we have our 2K Tuesdays, where I have to lead a group of play- players who have never played pro- basketball before into winning games against other random people. So it's a lot of fun. You hear me get very frustrated very quick. I've got a new nickname called Salty Sage. But yeah, you can check out all that, but really, Holy Backboard and Sage Digital is the, mo- the most important. Well, yeah, thank you again, man. Really appreciate it. And listeners, please check out the Holy Backboard, and he'll be answering that, at least that one question. Dustin will be answering that one question yeah, about uh, the Dunkers. Uh, so we'll have some nice throwback there between the pods. And listeners, again, write us at any time about anything, preferably Blazers. Last thing before I move on to the closing bit here is the winner. So if we can get the drum roll for the random.org number generator, the winning number for today is questioner number four, number four is matthew at reverend romulus i don't think you've won anything too recently sir so that works for me what was the question uh matthew had the one about cj in the shooting slump is this a concern for his development yeah that was a good one we we talked about something completely different for a while yeah (laughs) shout out to all the listener questions i think it's really dope that podcasts can get listener-based questions and i think what you're doing with giving away cards and stuff is a really genius idea to get listener uh you know, feedback and questions and engagement. So good shit well, on that, the that, that means a lot coming from you, man. Uh, it, it, you've definitely been a huge help on us getting this going. And listeners, you are going, or let's see, Matthew, you are going to get the first Beckett basketball card magazine that Brandon threw up there, as well as your choice, I believe, between these three cards Charlie Davis, Damon Stoudemire, or I can't even read who that last one was, but we have three different eras of Blazer cards on here. We'll be getting in touch with you soon. Thank you again. Uh, please get in touch with us for next week's questions and anything else you guys want uh, on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at the Trailcast. You can reach me at Blazer247, Brandon at Goldener PDX. Sage, give him that Twitter one more time. It's just Sage, D A S A G E. Or you can check out Holy Backboard PDX or Holy Backboard on Twitter. I don't remember. I'm not, no, good, at, I'm, I'm not good at the Twitter uh, username remembering, but check, we, out, <laughs> check out that. So we got the best social media manager running the Holy Backboard page <laughs> that the Blazers have ever had. So shout out to him. Um, yeah. You can also reach us at trailcasters at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, just like the Holy Backboard is. You can find Odar's music, the beats who are you're hearing right now, at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Thank you always to Odar and support your local beat makers. Thank you, Andy Adventures. Thank, thank you, Clearly Speaking Oregon. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brendan, as always. Thank you, Sage, as always. Thank you, Odor, for the fat beats. Thank you to Envy Adventures, Clearly Speaking Oregon. And I guess, once again, thank you, Sage, for joining us. Yeah, thank man. you, listeners, I'd, for I'd, a great I'd, listening. I had to be the host this time. I, I <laughs> host and the guest. It worked out great. We hope you all have enjoyed our, our show, your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you one more time. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. With a lot less shit talking. (laughs) No promises there. (laughs) A lot less.